everyone. You're listening to Heaving Bosoms, the podcast where two best friends recap romance novels while being ridiculous and truly loving the genre with every fiber of our beings. And guess what? I'm feeling a lot better. I want to thank everyone for being so understanding and wonderful while I was taken down by bronchitis like a mastodon by a saber-toothed tiger. And to Sarah and Cole for pinch-hitting. But most of all, I need to thank Aaron for being an absolutely amazing friend and taking the hell over to make sure that y'all still got excellent content. Speaking of excellent content, we've got Cole here to recap Romancing the Stone. After you listen to this goodness, make sure to check out his podcast, The Cigarette Burns, where he and a pal recap movies. But first, the smoky voice perfect hair and soulful eyes of Kathleen Turner, stars alongside some hot dude on a shoot 'em up bang-bang action-adventure in a jungle. You know what? I'm just going to leave this to the professionals. Here we go! One. Two. You asshole. <laughs> you dick. <laughs> Three. Four. Just fit, say four in a timely manner. Okay. Five. Six. Seven. Eight. Well, this is going to be all screwed up because you're not, I'm not going to be able to line those up because they were too long. <laughs> it's worked in the and past. Far apart. I think you're going to be fine. Hey, Cole, how's it going? <laughs> it's going wonderfully, Mac. How are you doing? Good, good. I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. How's your quarantine life? Oh, it's uh, carbo-loaded, I guess would be the... Uh, <laughs> carbo-loaded. I've never eaten more bread in my life. We, we Yeah, I'm eating bread right now. We typically maybe have half of... Oh, what kind of bread is that? That's banana bread. That's what I thought that was. I did see something yeah. on Twitter that I kind of laughed at, which was we've all entered the stage of life where everyone's making banana bread. And it. Uh-huh. I saw that about a day after Jess made four loaves of banana bread. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So this is uh this is David's homemade banana bread actually. Is it good? Is it choice? It's it's fine. Okay. It's a little dry. It's a little crumbly. Um, do you remember? Man, I didn't I didn't mean to set this up, but do you remember the when I told the story about the roll butter that he got in the roll of butter and then like yes. broke in my measuring spoon? Yes. So he made this bread and it was like a little bit drier. And I was like, man, it's a little bit drier than like how it usually comes out. And we were like, that's weird because he uses the same recipe as I did. And like it just came out different. And he's like, you know what it is, is that roll butter. You can't get it to room temperature if you sit it out because it's such a large hunk of butter. And also it's really difficult to measure. So it's probably that. Interesting. It's like, oh, is it probably that? <laughs> Your indignation is fantastic. I I just I was floored and I'm like, well, maybe we shouldn't buy the roll butter anymore. Maybe it's ruining everything. And he's like, nah, <laughs> he's he's he is tripled down on the roll butter. So now is the roll butter uh, salted, unsalted? Uh, probably unsalted. I'm guessing salted butter is disgusting. Well, I had a recipe that I didn't realize required salted butter, and it was a toffee recipe. And it's like the easiest chocolate toffee recipe ever. You just add shit. Into a into a pot, and then when it's melted, you stop cooking it. That's mm-hmm. it. I made like four things of this, and it would be oily everywhere, and it was gross. And uh, I'm like, I'm like, what the hell is going on? 
turns out you needed salted butter. I'm like, you're a piece of shit if you decide to put a recipe together and request salted butter. Who who has salted butter? That's stupid. It's Can ridiculous. you just add salt? Does that solve it or no? It actually does. Ah. <laughs> because <laughs> well, I, genius. <laughs> I looked up online and they're like, oh, if you if you need salted butter and you don't have it, add a little salt. And I'm like, there it is. Right there. That's problem solving. <laughs> I love that you had to Google that, but I guess I also asked. This, so, this, was, a there you bake, go. this was a baking adventure of Mikey J and Cole. So it was a shit ah. show from top to bottom. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, well, I wanted to banter about your hair because <laughs> I've noticed... <laughs> I've noticed that your hair is so long that when you put your quarantine hair is so long that when you put your headphones on and like pulled them back and they became a headband, just a little, a little cute headband. And you can see like the hair poking out from behind it. Yes. Adorable. Uh, is it adorable? Yes. Yeah. Jess actually asked me, this may have been three or four days ago, and this is when I realized I maybe need to become a more entertaining husband. Because she uh-huh. just kind of looks at me. She's like, you know, I can cut your hair if you want me to cut your hair. And I'm like, <laughs> whoa. First of all, personal attack that felt unnecessary. Um, <laughs> number two, I didn't ask. Can Jess cut hair, though? No, no. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I've never. There's never been a discussion. That's a talent I wouldn't assume she has. Yeah. Like, she, that doesn't. But maybe. I don't know. She has concentrated on other things in life. But yeah. I, I feel like she's just coming to the conclusion that the hair's a touch long. And all I do mm-hmm. now, I haven't combed my hair in four and a half weeks, five weeks. I can't tell. <laughs> <It's>, boy, <laughs> boy, does it look great. You better not be taking a screenshot. I'm just saying. I'm not because I have a photo of your hair that you sent me that, on your, with your own free will. That was right after she asked me if she should cut my hair. And I was like, uh-huh. maybe I need to, you know, see, see what the problem is. And the problem is how long my hair is. Yeah. I do you want look you like to Jimmy know, Neutron. I do want you to know. <laughs> That that picture, that wasn't like combed or anything. That's just how it dries. I just like. Incredible. I just shower. The jeans you have. <laughs> Insane. I know. Wow. It's Hugh Grant. You woke up like this. Eat your heart out, Hugh Grant. <laughs> yeah, I just look. This is just what I look like now. You're welcome, uh-huh. Jessica. As- Hugh Grant, eat your heart out, Michael Douglas, because oh, he had some hair in this movie. Yes, he did. I There's going to be a lot of. We got to talk about Michael Douglas's general look. Because uh-huh. I've never been jealous of him. Well, that, that that's bullshit. Let me stop right there. Uh huh. I've never been jealous of what Michael Douglas looks like. But in this movie, I'm like, I got to get there. I know I can't get there. I know that I is an say, unattainable level. When Sidney Ellen Wade is testing the bed and she looks up at President Michael Douglas mm-hmm. and she's like... The most powerful man in the world. You were jealous of Michael Douglas. In I was a hundred percent jealous of Michael Douglas, but not of what he looked like. Just Fair. jealous okay. of All the right. situation. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. This this was always, and I get that this is a ridiculous amount of unearned confidence. Where I'm like, I feel like I could attain, you know, in my heyday, <laughs> a Michael Douglas Wall Street douchebag look, or you know, traffic. I'd like to know when your heyday. When was your heyday? It's like 94, maybe. 94? 93. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Okay. All right. I peaked, so, I peaked at 11. So blonde coal. <laughs> Bleach blonde coal. Yes. Before all this, before this shit kicked in. Yes. Yeah. 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 And so I always like felt like, oh, yeah, he's like normal dude. Good looking. He's not mm-hmm. Brad Pitt. 
Um, I think that is true. Yeah. And in this movie, which I had never seen, I'm like, oh, dude. I'm sure we'll get into that, but... I'm like, yeah, I can't get there. He, he just took it to another level. He just jumped. It's, it's charisma, though. Oh, it's stupid charisma. This whole movie is oozing charisma. It's ridiculous. His hair is like, it's 80s fine, but it's 2020 bad. And like, he's wearing tank tops and he has got no muscle definition on those arms whatsoever. But that's the best part. Yeah. But like, he, but he is so attractive in this movie. Yeah. Just on charisma alone. So it's not, I do think Michael Douglas, at least in this movie, is average guy attractive. Yeah. Like, but man, the, he's so cool. Yeah. He jumps levels with when he says, and, and you know this because I'm, I'm a fairly selfish guy. Um, <laughs> when he is introducing himself. <laughs> see, the Corey life is also just bringing out whole different levels of honesty. But, you know, I like things that have my name. Like, I've never been happier than when I went to go see the movie 20, uh, 21. Uh-huh. And Lawrence Fishburne introduces himself as Cole Williams. I lost my shit in the theater. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that is not a movie where at any point anybody should get so excited to, like, stand up out of their seat and look Mm-mm. around. I did. I was uh-huh. excited. Especially because Lawrence Fishburne kicks ass. I, well, there's a reason why Katie Roberts' The Marriage Contract was your second romance novel that you'd ever read. Because the first romance novel you ever read, you picked up, I was with you at Walmart, yep. and you saw a book called Cole for Christmas, and you were like, what's this? A romance <laughs> novel with the main character named Cole? And then you read the back of the this, the blurb on the back, and it was like, the last line was, she's getting Cole for Christmas. And you were like fuck yeah she is and like you bought that book and you read it <laughs> i read it in like six hours i read it yeah. at work i was like yeah start start the movies i don't care guys uh we don't know how to run the projectors just start hitting buttons it, do- it doesn't matter we're getting coal for christmas <laughs> just they're describing him as somebody who looks like the rock i'm very into this right now <laughs> but uh no it, it's when he introduces himself I didn't know his name. Like when we got to the point in the movie where she's like, I don't know your name. I didn't either. I purposely watched this movie without looking up anything on IMDb, doing any research. And when he says Cole before Colton, I was like, Mm -hmm. fuck you. This is the greatest thing ever. (laughs) And then I sat in for about 22 minutes of depression, getting over that fact that it was Jack T. Colton. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. T's for trustworthy. Certain yeah, T for trustworthy. <laughs> I I love this man. Oh, I I totally see why you do, because mm-hmm. I, I do as well. Yeah, but he's like, if Indiana Jones is like top shelf liquor, this mm-hmm. is like Ace in the Hole, under the bar, plastic bottle, tequila version of Indiana Jones, and it's so good that that's what it is. Yeah, but that that's what I like about exactly. it. I mean, sometimes you want bottom shelf tequila, and this is a romance. This is the romance you wanted Indiana Jones to be. Yes, 100%. Well, at least I did. No, it, <laughs> I don't they, know if everyone did. Obviously, there were calls going back and forth between Zemeckis and Spielberg, because this is also poor man's Temple of Doom. Well... You know, did you read the trivia on this that a lot of people said that this was a ripoff of Indiana Jones because it came out, I don't know, two or three years after? Well, they came out the same. Well, they, they came, Temple of Doom in this came out the same time. But yeah, I did see that okay. they were comparing it to Raiders. And uh, by the way, I'm very sorry that Bogart 
is so into this part of the podcast. <laughs> Bogart is Cole's dog, <laughs> if you didn't know. So this came out like after Raiders of the Lost Ark, and people said that they were ripping off of that that theme of like this guy who's like in a jungle and. Um, but this was written long before Raiders of the Lost Ark, and it was bought by Michael Douglas long before Raiders of the Lost Ark was ever a thing. Yeah, so. I wanted to see. I was actually looking up because after I watched it, I didn't know much about you know who was involved behind the scenes besides Robert Zemeckis and obviously the sweet saxophone sounds of Alan Silvestri. Uh, but <laughs> whatever the music in this is great. <laughs> this the music in this is a bop. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> But the screen, so good. the screenplay was by Diane Thomas, which was a name I did not recognize at all. And, First time screenwriter. And unfortunately got killed in a car accident. So she never did anything else. In a Porsche that was bought for her by Michael Douglas as a thank you for writing this film. Deep Cuts with Aaron. Wow. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, well, <laughs> I did. <laughs> the, I wish you guys could see the look on her face when she was like, I'm going to drop a bomb right here. As soon as he's done talking, I've got a tidbit. Your your eyebrows got high. You were like, oh, it's on. It is on with well, my Michael Douglas I, trivia. I very rarely know anything about movies that you don't. So, like, when I can throw in a tidbit, oh, it's a good day. I feel like you're going to be dunking on me for the next hour and a half or two. Um, yeah, I feel like that, too. Um, okay, let's start that dunking. <laughs> um we're in 1984 you guys by the way this movie is free on hulu right now if you're a hulu person you can just go watch it you can also watch the sequel jewel of the nile so if you're a hulu person just go watch it right now turn this off go watch it it will tell you that if you're interested in this movie you might also be interested in fool's gold you're not (laughs) definitely not you're not so we start out on a romance scene from joan wilder's paperback harlequin Actually, Avon is her publisher, it says on the thing. I wrote it down. I wrote down her publisher. Yeah. And we've got like a dastardly cowboy villain who's pointing a gun at a heroine who's got a very wet blouse with a very obvious nipple. I have to stop you right here. Yes. This is the movie I wanted to watch. (laughs) I knew because of I've heard of Romancing the Stone, Michael Douglas, Kathleen Turner in the jungle. But when it opened on this... I was like, mm-hmm. stop me right there. <laughs> this has a lot of things I like in it right now. An inexplicably was soaked a, a, heroine. A zoom a zoom in on this woman's <laughs> nipple. And she's unreasonably wet in a very obviously <laughs> <She's> dry desert. <laughs> in a very dry environment. She's soaking wet. And did you notice that the only part of her that's wet is hips up? Yeah. Just from the waist yeah. up. The dry skirt. Dry skirt. Everything else bone dry. And all I'm thinking to myself is Western. Check. Love it. Yeah. Uh, beautiful lady. Wet. Check. Love it. <laughs> uh, a little bit of violence. Check. Love mm-hmm. it. So it was like this movie knew that I needed to like it. And I was uh-huh. in on this immediately. But when she's like gets into this fight with the guy. Mm-hmm. And she ends up, you know, this is this is the voiceover of Joan Wilder going through and, you know, ending her mm-hmm. book. She kills him with this awesome knife throw, by the way. Just incredible. So sexy. Holy shit. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then she lists off the bad things he's done. Did you take did you write this down? Ahem. <laughs> and that was the end of Groban. The man who killed my father, raped and murdered my sister. 
shot my dog and stole my Bible. (laughs) Incredible. Incredible. I knew you would have written that down. It feels out of order. Because to end on stole my Bible is such a weird ending. It's so good. It's so good. (laughs) I would have flipped stole my Bible and shot my dog just because I'm a dog guy. Not that I'm not a Bible guy. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. It just felt like, uh huh, uh huh. Oh my God, this guy's the worst guy ever. And then he he stole a book, obviously. That's. (laughs) <laughs> that's what sent it over the edge it's just the rhythm of it was so good it was. stole my bible oh i love it <laughs> and then you know she rides off and then there's some other bad guys that like go with that guy like his posse or whatever so she's like riding in the other direction it's like a chase and then she comes upon jesse her bow her long lost love and he's in silhouette that's what's great about this scene because they're both really you never really see either of their faces so they could be michael douglas and kathleen turner right and he really looks like him he may be michael douglas because he's always in silhouette i'm not sure he rides in and they get on the same horse and they make out and she's like and i knew from that moment our lips touched we would be together forever it's it starts on happily ever after how awesome is that so good it's so good and it clips to Joan Wilder writing on her typewriter with her, like, headphones. Very 1984. But I have to go back mm-hmm. to uh, the end with Jesse and wet blonde lady. I'm sorry I didn't get... Or, I'm sorry, Angelina. Um, Angelina. Angelina. I'm sorry. Um, not only should that part have been played by Bill Pullman, I don't quite <laughs> understand how he was... And I don't know how we keep doing these movies where... Bill Pullman should have been a part of every movie we talk about, but that's fine. I asked you if you wanted to do while you were sleeping, and you said no. <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> Se- season season eighty six of Heaving Bosoms will do while you were sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just saying, I tried to get more Bill Pullman onto this podcast. But the way that Jesse, they're both on horses. She's clearly an accomplished writer because she leaves her little homestead. The brothers are chasing her, and she can ride. Right. After mm-hmm. Jesse just snipes him. But mm-hmm. then Jesse's like, I know you can ride, but here's the thing. I'm going to pick you up, yeah. kiss you, yank yeah. you onto my horse, and I'll just like drag your horse behind me while uh-huh. uh, while we make out and stuff. And I'm like, They're that not is. not going to ride off on separate horses. That's I stupid. don't want them to. I'm saying that is a baller move. Oh, like okay, that is good, an good. absurd amount of game for somebody on the frontier in 1838. So I was the first five minutes of this movie when it cut to Kathleen Turner, I was almost like, oh, but wait, I want to I want to. But yeah, (laughs) I'm not I'm not done here. That's why she's such a great writer. I know. I know. And as she finishes her book, that like tearful, she's like crying and she's like, it's good. It's so good. And it's finished. That gif is used by many romance writers (laughs) and was just used like like last week by um, Kristen Callahan. Like, I finished it. I finished my book. And there's Joan Wilder, like, weeping, like, finally, finally. She's a very um, cute crier, by the way. She is. Very She's cute. cute all around. She's oh. got, like, this great little flannel outfit. She's got her little cat. She goes. Yes, from, Oh, she goes from just adorable to uh-huh. sexy. And she hits, uh-huh. like, every stop on the spectrum. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, Kathleen Turner will have the Kathleen Turner conversation, I'm sure. But mm-hmm. this was like really her like third movie she was ever in. So, well, and that's one of the reasons why she took the role was she was kind of typecast at this point as like a sexy 
lady well, who is like this because like, she's badass a super sexy 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 lady <laughs> so <laughs> yeah but the reason why she liked this role was that joan wilder was also like living alone with like her little cat and right. kind of cute as well and had a lot of dimension to her so yeah anyway all right she's talking to her cat she hasn't got any tissues. She blows her nose in the note that she wrote herself that says, buy tissues. She's got a very lonely life. She celebrates with her cat. She's got a cabinet full of, like, little red cap shooters. <laughs> she drinks one when she finishes a book. What well, did you notice just in her apartment? A, I love... Mm-hmm. Anybody who may listen to my podcast knows that I love a title sequence that accomplishes a ton. All of this mm-hmm. is happening during title sequence stuff. Yes. Yep. And... Yep. You learn everything you need to know about Joan Wilder before we get out of titles. And yes. it's going through her apartment. And I had a very hard, like, COVID reality situation because mm-hmm. all I'm thinking is like, oh, Joan, you're not going to be able to go out and get Kleenex and toilet paper and stuff. Uh, you are screwed for the time being. <laughs> and I realize it's 1984. She's probably going to be okay. Everything's fine. But she has an electric knife on the counter. Did you notice that? No. So we're going through her. And it's like that electric knife that every Midwestern parent had at Thanksgiving. And that was the only time you ever saw it. Yeah. To cut the turkey. Uh-huh. It was plugged in. Like she just Wait, has. An, I don't know. She just has an electric knife at the ready. I don't know what her dietary situation is. That's during fucked writing. up. Let's talk about this for the next hour. <laughs> what? So what? anyway, I noticed a lot of stuff no, about I'm her serious. apartment. I, yeah. I'm a little concerned. That's a weird thing. But yeah, I that love is the very whole, weird. I love the whole celebration with her cat eating wonderful tuna. She smelled the tuna. Don't quite understand that requirement uh, before you feed it to the cat. She puts a little like parsley on there for the cat. Mm-hmm. It's very mm-hmm. cute. And then unnecessarily you know, is, breaks all the dishes. It's it's her it's her ritual. She breaks <laughs> all the dishes in her fireplace. Okay. Did you know that this was a reshoot? In the final cut of this movie that Zemeckis sent down, the prologue was not there in the film. Uh, It started with her getting the package. No. Oh, that's Uh a terrible movie. (laughs) Yes. Um, The prologue, most of the dialogue in the interior of the plane scene and the epilogue were absent from the movie. And they had to go back and reshoot those three scenes. So, you know, the three scenes were like (laughs) any character development. So was the original cut just no words? The original cut was just Kathleen Turner, Michael Douglas walking around in in the jungle shooting guns. People running. That was the whole movie. People running in car Uh chases. Yep. They had to reshoot all this. Well, not reshoot. Shoot and put it onto the movie. I did not know any of that either. I did hear about Michael Douglas. I see. I thought that some of the stuff in the plane was just a reshoot because I know that he had gained weight. So he was a little fluffier in the plane scene than he is yes. in the rest of the movie. Yeah. So some of the dialogue did exist in the original cut inside the plane. But the stuff where they're like getting to know each other needed to be reshot and added back in because that was not originally in there, I guess. Man, It's very dimes. interesting to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So then the next morning she's asleep face down on her couch apparently hung over from the one shot of like crown royal or whatever she had the night before which i love (laughs) i love that she she has like one little shooter and then the next day she's like i can't i I cannot even exist today 
oh, I get it. Like, I, I, I relate to that in these days of my olden life. My olden, my olden life? <laughs> my, my late adulthood, my middle age. You're like 33, but okay. I'm 34. Wow. Wow. We don't need to have this fight right now. so she picks up a package that she's gotten well i think she actually gets like a strange phone call first and then she goes outside and she's like got this package yes that um is from eduardo her brother-in-law and is like hand written and then she bumps into a lady lady that (laughs) that lives in her building who is just let us hear it cole (laughs) (laughs) what's going on with her i don't get like i don't understand the point i loved the old lady but i'm trying yeah. to think like thematically what's the point we just want to show that joan like helps an old lady that's cool she's a very kind lady but then she's like why don't you ride the elevator and the old lady's like well you know rapists rapists <laughs> <laughs> what no listen i think stairwells are just as likely as elevators if not more old yes. lady yes i mean i don't i don't want to <laughs> split hairs here but like <laughs> What the hell? But I think she was there to say to she said something about the package, maybe. And then also she said to Joan, I still have hope for you or like you're still going to find a guy or something like that. So, you know, we get that she's living alone and her best friend is her cat. Then we get this old lady being like, hopefully you find a man. And then later we get her publisher being like, I hope you find a man. Like, clearly, she's been alone a long time and everybody knows it and just really wants her to find somebody. So I think that's maybe her. Yeah, you're probably right. It was well, just, it just felt like, oh, we got some comic relief here, which I always enjoy. I have no problem with the line. It was just so confusing. But a lot of stuff, it actually is making more sense to me now when mm-hmm. you tell me none of the prologue was there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where it started. I assume it had to start at the package since that's very important. Right. But I don't know. Um, she steps out of her apartment. There's a stuffed monkey salesman there that's very weird. <laughs> like, accosts her trying Super. to get her to buy this monkey. Super aggressive. Tells her it's kinky? Yeah, that was the sales pitch I was hoping we were going to talk about. <laughs> okay. I need to follow that guy home. Because when he says, <laughs> get this monkey, it's kinky. I'm now way too interested in what this guy's, like, extracurricular activities are. Yeah. What's his deal? And why is he in this movie? I just imagine his bedroom just has all of these monkeys hanging from the ceiling like dream catchers. (laughs) And he's like, which one do you want tonight? And he just pulls it. I don't know. I just, I need to know. Because we spend a good 15 seconds on that guy. I mean, she could walk out of her apartment and immediately be in her publisher's office. No, no, no. We spent 10 to 15 seconds with Monkey Man. And you know somebody's editing this movie like, no, no. (laughs) Keep the monkey. (laughs) Cut this other scene where they're like fighting an alligator. Please. And I'm also imagining like Zemeckis going, keep going, keep going. Yeah, go, trying go, go, to sell go, it to it's, it's, Say it's kinky. Say it's kinky. <laughs> <laughs> say it's kinky. Uh, make, make it weirder. Make it weirder. All right. So then we clip to a scary guy, a scary mustachioed Colombian man outside her apartment door. And this poor random guy is like, oh, that's Joan Wilder's apartment. What are you doing there? And then this guy fucking stabs him to death. Is that not the most unnecessary murder ever? Why? 
Was it so that we knew that he was bad? He literally had a mustache and was like creeping around her apartment. We know he's bad. Well, and they we take, have the creepy music. We got it. Even if we don't know at that moment how bad he is, the movie establishes the badness of Zolo yeah. over and over and over again. <laughs> yes. I don't think he had any lines until the final scene. That's how bad he is. He he could have brandished a knife at that guy. He could have opened his jacket and showed him a gun. He or, did not need to kill this man. All he's looking for is the package, right? So Yeah. He, he just wants the map. I... I'm going to get ahead of the bad press here and tell you that for a large part of this movie, I'm pro Zolo, but I don't want to go there yet. Whoa, hot take on romancing the stone. I've got a lot of respect for Zolo. Respect? Yes, I do. Uh, I'll get there in a second. Okay. I'm just thinking for a man as accomplished as Zolo, he knows committing a murder in a stairwell or a hallway mm-hmm. in the morning is going to draw attention. And then yeah. to have the stones to be like, I'm going to stab this dude in an apartment building, uh-huh. still break into the apartment and ransack it, which takes a minute or two. Yeah. And then take off. I'm just ballsy, I guess, is the only and, thing. And I then for her of. to like not even hear about that murder that did yeah. happen outside her door when she gets home. How are cops not already there? Where is that body? I, like, Z- Zolo probably also, took care of the body. Let's talk about this. Zolo has a private army in Colombia with uniforms that is his army. He goes yes. personally to Joan Wilder's apartment in New York City. He does a lot of stuff in person. See, he's a micromanager, and that's ultimately his his downfall. Where I'm from, we call that leading from the front. And that's good leadership. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go ransack this lady's apartment. Personally, I would never send a, one of my men to do something that I wouldn't do myself. No. <laughs> wow. <laughs> See. You know what? I'm pro Zolo. He's a great leader. I never really thought about it until this moment. You're welcome. I'm glad I could bring that to you. Because yeah. there's a lot to like about Zolo in this movie. As you know we what? Go Joan should have ended up with Zolo now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> she almost did. Those two crazy kids. <laughs> you know what? That fight scene at the end did get a little heated. It got very she sexy. If he didn't have that cigar in his mouth, she could have kissed him and ended the movie right there. I think she wanted to. I was wondering what they were doing in that fight scene for a long time. So maybe they were gazing into each other's eyes. That whole final scene, I have a thousand questions about. Great. This is going to be a three hour podcast. Okay. <laughs> they, they know us. They know what they're getting into. So so then we clip to her talking to her editor. Um, and she's like talking about how hot or not hot all the guys in the room are. All this like... This grab bag of 80s men. So that's the perfect way to put it. All I was thinking yeah. about was flash forward to How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days where we have the exact same scene. Uh-huh. And they're yeah. going around and going, that guy, no, that guy, no. 80s guys were gross. Like, I'm <laughs> yeah, sorry. People looking people looking for male love in the 80s. I'm so sorry. Like, apparently yeah. there was Harrison Ford and Denzel and Michael Douglas occasionally. And that mm-hmm. was it. That was the whole thing. Yeah. The rest of it was like Jason Robards and below because these people were just fucking gross. <laughs> and then we the get the one that she says is hot is like that's the nut. That's the crazy part is the dude that they're like, <laughs> oh, this dude. I'm like, this guy looks like the gym teacher slash driver's ed teacher who like tries uh-huh. to hit on all the 15 year olds. I was just I'm floored. I was just floored by that entire. <laughs> 
male shopping process. And I totally understood Joan going, uh, hard pass on. Maybe, maybe Zemeckis just said to Holland Taylor, talk about which ones of these guys are hot. And she's like, I'm, fu- I'm at a loss. I have, yeah. I have no fucking clue which ones of these guys are hot. And then, and then <laughs> this she's, is not my game. She's like, <laughs> gross. Just, just <laughs> gross. Well, oh, we got right. one guy with feathered hair. That we'll go with him. Who's the hot one? Perfect. Yeah, because he because our hero has feathered hair. Um, okay, so we find out from this conversation. You know, she's done with her book. She gives her book to the publisher. We find out that Joan Wilder's sister Elaine, her husband Eduardo, was murdered in Colombia, and she's still down there taking care of the. How he was murdered. They're still finding pieces of him, I guess. Yeah, that's the whole crazy thing is they're like, he's chopped up. Yeah. Then when Joan gets back to her apartment, her apartment's ransacked. Her sister calls. She's with kidnappers who have her in Cartagena, Colombia. Well, we have to talk and... about that. We have to talk about the kidnapping. Oh, the quickly. kidnapping scene. Okay, yeah. sorry. Well, my note is Elaine is kidnapped, so I thought it was the phone call. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's talk about this. Elaine is yes. expertly kidnapped. By a six-year-old who it's can hilarious. who can drive a sports car and is an like a born assassin. Like he's the type of kid. I want this kid's movie. Yeah, do what you love and what you're good uh-huh. at. And he learned yeah. early. I am an expert with bizarre weapons. Somehow yeah. can brilliantly drive a sports car, even mm-hmm. though I'm. What What do you honestly think? Nine, ten. Honestly, less he has to be less than ten. Yeah, I mean, super young, and just drives straight to the compound. And oh, it's like, incredible! As like he here, throws this like thingy at her. I don't know the it, name of it, but it's the weapon with two balls at the end and a long string where one hits you and then it wraps around you and hits you again. Yeah, and it like chokes her. She yes. she's out. And this kid's like, I got the body, I got the car, I'm going through traffic, I get to the compound. Here's your lady body, and. I'll just go back to doing what I do incredibly. Like 20 years in 2000, he is like one of those contracted, like corporate assassins. Yeah. That's what he I does. want to read a romance novel about this kid <laughs> 20 years later. I'm not kidding. Like, if he's got those kind of skills at like eight, can you imagine what kind of cool assassin he is at 30? Yeah, he became Jai Courtney and Jack Reacher. That's what he does. The The number of times Jai Courtney comes up in our conversations is a little bit it's disturbing too, to it's me. It's too high. But you're right. Yeah, it's, it's, we need to tone it down a little bit. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. So, he drops Elaine off to... Is Danny DeVito there? Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. And DeVito, DeVito is very curious to me because I love DeVito. DeVito and Michael Douglas have been friends since One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. They are, <laughs> like, super tight and... I love. Have you ever heard DeVito tell the story about how they met? No, please hit me. The year is 1967, and Michael Douglas is just standing on a beach alone, and then Danny DeVito, a stranger to him, comes up to him out of nowhere and is just like, you get high? And then Douglas is like, yeah. (laughs) And then they went and smoked a joke together, and then they lived (laughs) together for like 10 years. (laughs) I just, the height difference alone makes that a hilarious story. <laughs> I know, it's just so funny. But any interview you can ever hear with Danny DeVito is worth however long he's willing to talk. It, yeah. His life is crazy. Like, yeah. not just being on the original Broadway cast of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, then being in the movie, 
then doing taxi and like his story about getting on taxi was he went to the uh he went to the audition and he didn't want to be in tv because he was doing the whole theater thing and he walks in and he's like who wrote this shit and the two writers were sitting right there and they were like uh we did and he's like (laughs) oh but then he decided, fuck it, I'll just be super mean in this whole thing. And they just kept laughing at how mean he was, and that's how he was cast in Taxi. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. And Michael Douglas, we got to get, like, comeback kid. He was, like, nobody would cast him in movies because he was a TV guy. And he wasn't Hilarious. making he wasn't making the transition from, like, the, some medical show he was on to mm-hmm. movies. And then that's why he produced One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Because he was trying to yeah. get into Hollywood. And he's like, I, I, my dad couldn't produce it. I bought it from him. And I won a fucking Oscar producing One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. But they still won't put me in movies. And he basically gave this role to Danny DeVito, his bro. It was originally Bob Hoskins. I kind of like that movie too, though. I mean, I, yeah, everything's better with DeVito. But I, I dig me some Bob wait, Hoskins. Wait till I read you the list of people who turned down Jack Colton in this movie. <laughs> I... It's I saw I saw some. I know Jack and and Joan. There were a lot of people that went out for Joan too. Yeah, there's some good stories about that too. Okay, so we've got Danny DeVito. He's there. He's at the kidnapping. And it's clear that him and his cousin Ira are the ones that are kidnapping Elaine because they want to use her. So then they call Joan, who got the package from Eduardo with the treasure map in it. And they're like, Joan, we've got your sister. Bring the map to Cartagena Hotel in Cartagena, Colombia. And then we'll give you your sister. Airtight. I don't want to question Joan a bunch in this movie because I Mm -hmm. have a strong love of this woman. But Mm -hmm. I don't quite know what the relationship is between Elaine and Joan. It feels a touch strained, but... When she when Elaine yeah. calls and is like, no, you you you, I'm in I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble down here in Columbia. And Elaine goes, what kind of trouble? Or I'm sorry, mm-hmm. Joan says, what kind of trouble are you in? Right. And I just feel like we just got out of a scene where Joan is saying, my sister's husband just got chopped up. So I guess she's in the my husband just got chopped the fuck up in Columbia kind of trouble. Yeah. Maybe you need to not question me right now. But Joan's got her own thing going on. Like, she just walked into her, like, ransacked apartment. So I totally think she's agree. in this, like, you know, okay, fine. But, like, I'm in trouble, too. I can't talk right now. But, I'm, yeah, it's really I'm with you. But, like, what what kind yeah. of trouble? Let's measure the trouble. I Again, we're finding pieces of my husband all over Colombia. That right. kind of trouble. So she says, get to Cartagena, bring the map, and they'll let me go. So she's, like, getting ready to go. We get the publisher again being like, you can't go to Colombia. You are ill-equipped for this. You are bad at um, moving stuff. a public transportation, all kinds of yeah, stuff. Yeah, you're you you're, are... you're you're a you're a homebody. You're a cat lady. You can't go to Columbia. She drops in this conversation. Your books do very well there. Did you notice that? I did Probably notice not, that. You saw it for the first. No, time. no, no. I but, I did notice that. Oh, okay. This time I noticed it for the first time. Oh, that okay. Her books do very well there, and I was like, oh, okay. You slip that in. That's good. There's a few of those very light touches in this script. Yes. That yeah save time that we don't have to waste on ridiculous exposition. Yeah, and then we zoom out, and the bad guy is watching Zolo. Can we please just cigar. have some respect and call him Zolo? Sure. I'm sorry. I've just called him the bad guy in my notes a lot, sure, so sure. I will. Just... I will try to translate. To Zolo. Just saying he has a name. 
question about Zolo, your mastermind hero, mm-hmm. Zolo. Sure. Why didn't he just uh, pop out of that car or follow it or, uh, you know, kill Joan Wilder right here? Why didn't he just wait in her apartment for her to get home? There's a couple of things. Yeah. One, Zolo, while being a monster, I don't want to wash over the fact a butcher, that they call he him. is uh, problematic and mm-hmm. uh, a murderer. He likes the Matic. he likes the hunt. Mm-hmm. He enjoys the chase, and we we see that throughout this movie. This movie is not driven by necessarily only the charisma between Jack and Joan, but also the desire of Zolo to engage in this hunt. This is a hot take that I just could never have predicted. That Cole Williams believes that this is a movie about Zolo. It could be. I feel that there's a movie there. I think they shied away from it, but there's a good movie with Zolo there because as we are going to see, he is a super capable guy. He is. He is. Um, In the way a one-dimensional omnipresent villain can be. Yeah, it's just a horribly a written, no disrespect. Super capable guy. Very 80s. And, and we didn't kind of mention this at the beginning when you said we're set in 1984. This movie exists only in 1984. Yes. There is no uh-huh. carryover costuming or anything from the 70s, and there is definitely no foresight into what the world might look like later. This is mm-hmm. time capsule, 1984, like middle of the year, no clue what's going to happen after, and that's sure. what's so perfect about it. HB's, J.R. Ward's 18th installment of the Black Dagger Brotherhood is out now. The Sinner is just waiting for you to sink your teeth into. Here's the description. Sin has kept his side hustle as a mercenary a secret from the Black Dagger Brotherhood. When he takes another hit job, he not only crosses the path of the vampire race's new enemy, but also that of a half-breed in danger of dying during her transition. Joe Early has no idea what her true nature is, and when a mysterious man appears out of the darkness, She's torn between their erotic connection and the sense that something is very wrong. Fate anointed Butch O'Neill as the destroyer, the fulfiller of the prophecy that foresees the end of the Omega. As the war with the Lessening Society comes to a head, Butch gets an unexpected ally in sin. But can he trust the male? Or is the warrior with the bad past a deadly complication? With time running out, Joe gets swept up in the fighting and must join with Sin and the Brotherhood against true evil. In the end, will love true prevail? Or was the prophecy wrong all along? One reviewer said, J.R. Ward has a way with words that keeps me on the edge of my seat. And Harlequin Junkie raved, Mind blown. The Sinner was a high-octane novel that answered a lot of questions and saw some things finally come full circle. Romance, deceit, power games, and friendship. J.R. Ward pulled out all the stops in this thrilling installment. I'm including buy links in the show notes, so make sure to check out The Sinner today. Um, okay. So you may think that the next scene is at the Cartagena airport, or the Colombian airport. Um, but I have to talk directly to Robert Zemeckis for a little bit right now. (laughs) Bob. Hey, Rob. Um, between the taxi and the Colombian airport, 
there is a maybe four to five second scene of an airplane taking off at night in front of a full moon. Do you recall this scene, Cole? I I do recall the scene. I think you're going to break it down more than I paid attention to it, but fire (laughs) away. I believe that what Robert Zemeckis wanted in this scene was a large full moon and then a plane flying through it in silhouette. What he got was like kind of a wing and like kind of like half of a a plane. And then the camera moved so that it looks like the moon is floating around. Like you're looking at the moon moving instead of the plane moving. The plane is stationary and the moon is moving. It's really bad. It's a really, really bad shot. But I have a feeling that this is one of the director's darlings. Like he really (laughs) wanted this shot to work. And Rob, it didn't work. And I don't know why your editor couldn't just look you in the eye and say, it didn't work. It looks like the moon is zooming around the frame. I love Robert I don't know why it's in the movie. I love Robert Everyone does. Everyone does. But there's, I think, a reason that he got fired from directing Cocoon after the production company saw (laughs) this film. Because there's a lot of great stuff in it. But there are some, there's another effect shot that we'll talk about later that I'm like, oh, you needed to do some editing. Better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the monkey scene, the moon scene, the number of injuries on this set. Yeah. The no fact sh- that we had to add in the prologue, the epilogue, <laughs> and the plane scene after your final cut, Rob. And rough. The, the scene, I'll just jump there now, the effect scene that keeps jumping out to me, and I've now watched this three times since you told me that this was what we were going to do. When uh, Colton goes on the vine across the canyon Mm -hmm. and he lands on the wall, it is so obviously foam. It's like you're watching Double Dare. (laughs) It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that wasn't a reshoot in a studio later. Oh, it, it had to be. And you just would like, wouldn't you look at the daily and go... Okay, we need to, we got to soften this. We need to slam him against a wall. Let's do it one more time and we're going to need to uh, put some shadows in or something to where I can't clearly see him depress into the foam and then bounce out. (laughs) I saw, I read a few interviews with Kathleen Turner too, and I think it was pretty heated between her and Zemeckis. Yeah, she uh, didn't like him at all. As well, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not I'm not surprised he got fired from Cocoon. <laughs> but also that freed him up to do a little pet project he had. Well, some call Back, Back to the, the Future. future. Yeah. yeah. That, that, <laughs> so, which there you go. is my understanding worked out. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. So now we're at the airport in Columbia. She's walking. It's very busy, very disorganized. Um the scary guy, Zolo. <laughs> helps her figure out which bus is going to Cartagena. So this bus is clearly labeled like Tierra del something. Do you think Zolo paid for the sign on this bus to originally say Cartagena and then get turned over? I see. I don't think so. The timing's a little off. I think when he got yeah. there, he was going to point her in the direction of any bus that wasn't going to Cartagena and mm. saw, because I think this was a, a two-way bus. I think this was coming from Cartagena or coming from somewhere to the whatever, and then they flipped it around, and it was, okay, mm-hmm. now this bus is going this other place. Mm-hmm. And so he's right. like, oh, cool. Yes, this is 100% going to Cartagena. But this other place happens to be his military compound, like whatever province or state that is in. I have a I have a geography problem with this movie, and I, <laughs> I don't 
want to dig into it because that's not the point of the movie, but there is a mm-hmm. lot of geographical issues with, Fair with, enough. with the audience knowing where the hell you are. Right, yeah, yeah, with a with a real country. Like, yeah, there's with, geography issues with Game of Thrones, but like, right. nah, I don't know how fast dragons can fly. <laughs> well, and like, Columbia, I know how big Columbia is. Yeah, Columbia is not <laughs> Rhode Island, where you're just like, okay, right. I'm always a half an hour away from a border. Like, it's not the biggest country in the world, but it's not small. And right. not just the geography of where these people are, where the buses are going, but also the, the time between she lands in Columbia at night. Mm-hmm. And the bus crash happens broad daylight, so I mm-hmm. I'm now thinking, okay, what have you been on the bus for like nine hours? Like I don't know, I, there's just a yeah. lot of timing ge- geography yeah. issues that I had to take myself out of trying to figure out where the fuck they were. But I thought that he wanted her on a bus to where his private army was at. But I was that was also, my thought. I was also under the impression though, because he works for the Fed, so I feel like he's got. Does he? Like, because it's very difficult to tell. Like, is he in the real... I mean, I get that the lines are pretty blurry in Colombia in 1984 between who is the feds <laughs> and who is a private army. But I I was not sure that he was actually Colombian government associated. Like, the well, way that that guy I, brings him a uniform halfway through the movie. Like, here's a uniform, right. general. <laughs> <laughs> but the, but the uh, Ira on the phone says... I don't care if he's calling himself the Minister of Antiquities, which would be his federal job, which means he would be able to have resources anywhere, or he's the general, colonel, whatever, of X. So I feel like Zolo, um, being as capable a man as he is, has the ability ability to be connected wherever he's at. I guess what I'm saying is I think those guys are his guys. Those guys aren't federal guys that are in the quote unquote military compound. I think I that's his that. army. Yeah, I agree. I agree okay. with that. But the thing with Zolo is he actually flags down DeVito to give him a ride to wherever his compound is at. So I don't know how far away his compound is from where that bus crashed. That's fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Okay. But speaking of Zolo and DeVito, they're both at the airport. They both see her at the airport. They both watch her get on the bus. Zolo gets on the bus with her. Scrab her. Yes. The map's in her backpack. I don't understand. And then we get DeVito calling his cousin Ira, who's with Elaine in Cartagena, being like, she got on the wrong bus. What are we going to do? It's like, you should have just grabbed her at the airport. Like, what the fuck is the... If somebody pulls a gun in this airport, no one's going to notice. If and, and if somebody starts robbing Joan in this airport, people are going to be like, not not my business. Yeah. yeah. Everybody knows it wasn't me, right? Like, yeah. roll the dice. Who's going to rob this lady in this airport? Because it could be anybody. <laughs> there's, She's there's, a fish out of water. <laughs> there is There are so many opportunities for that map to have been stolen without Joan even really getting hurt. <laughs> right right exactly she she's like likely to leave it somewhere that's how I, scattered she is at this moment but i also think like devito and ira are, are kind of bad at what they do in the fact must that be. devito seems to just be there i guess he was there to actually drive her to elaine was that the plan i'm thinking i don't know i think i think she, he was just like gonna keep an eye on her make sure she got to the place where she's supposed to get i don't know his his existence is always a little weird, but he's always ripping that like really small cigarette. Like there's no full cigarettes for Danny Vito in this movie. <laughs> there's Just no the, full cigarettes at all in this movie. Tiny little baby cigarettes. Uh, mm-hmm. 
But yeah, so they get on the bus and, and they go off like wherever. She wakes up in the morning. She opens the window and she realizes she's deep in the jungle. Cartagena's on the coast. And so she goes to the bus driver and starts yelling, Cartagena, Cartagena. <laughs> and he's like turning around being like, what's this crazy lady? And then they crash into like a Land Rover that's off the side of the road. And then everybody who's on the bus just like, all right, guess, is, you know what? I found this to be extremely believable. I did too, where everybody's like, like, fuck it. All right. Well, guess and I me and they, my chickens are walking. And they know they're like, this is as far as it goes. Yeah. There's nobody coming. It's not like roadside assistance is on the way. So yeah. Uh-huh. Peace. This is also where Zolo, like, just take it. Just take it. Take it. Or kill her. Like, I don't want you I to mean, kill but- her, but. Is that not what he was going to do, though? But I don't understand. When he understand. pulls the gun on her? I don't understand. I don't think he was. I, I feel like if he was going to kill her, he would have killed her. And this is where mm-hmm. it sort of breaks with the character that they so artfully developed earlier in the movie. My God. Where he just absolutely murders that dude in the hallway for no reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He would have just pulled a gun, shot her in the head, no, no, no. taken cool. the map, done. What you don't understand about Zolo is that he likes the hunt. <laughs> you noticed i paused in that sentence to make sure cole was drinking his uh-huh. water when i said it a little bit up the nose he likes now the hunt mm-hmm. are you okay it's you burning okay? it's burning ever so slightly uh we're good <laughs> using my words against me unfair fair enough unappreciated <laughs> yep well <laughs> Okay, so we're finally going to meet our hero 33 minutes into this movie or whatever. Her reaction to the gun is one of my favorite things mm-hmm. in the movie. Where she's sitting on her suitcase. She's like, thankfully, this guy's with me. He's going to wait with me until there's another bus. This is great. And he pulls a gun and she she just goes, what? <laughs> like, oh, what? I, I do want to give Joan some credit here because I'm going to do a little comparison between this and Heart of Dixie, which is... no. <laughs> So I appreciate Joan in this situation not profiling because I think Mm -hmm. in a lot of shittier, you know, movies, it's like, oh, brown guy, mustache, menacing, bad guy. Joan's like, no, uh, leave me alone. Run away. She's like, okay, yeah, maybe he'll help. Whereas in the pilot of Heart of Dixie, they have (laughs) have, uh, Rachel Bilson. Like, not accepting a ride initially from uh-huh. Scott Porter, who they, uh-huh. you know, basically dress up as, like, you know, golden boy, whatever. And she's like, yeah, I don't uh, I don't feel like getting chopped up into pieces and, uh, <laughs> you know, murdered. And I was just like, you know what? I, I, I Sadly, when I saw Some this scene, Joan. I immediately huh. thought of that scene in Heart of Dixie. And that's where my quarantine head is right now. I was going to say, when we sat down to record this podcast, we chatted for about a, like a half hour just about just stuff, just yeah. shooting the shit. And you said that you were doing really good in quarantine life. I was telling you about some struggles that I had had mentally. And you're like, I'm mm-hmm. doing great. Mm-hmm. I'm here to let you know. <laughs> I'm lying to myself. You're deep in heart of Dixie in a way that signifies to me, Cole isn't doing great. <laughs> I blame it on my mother. Uh-huh. Um, Who uh, lives with you or... Um, no, no. Does definitely. dictate your television watching? Does she... No. Do you guys no. watch it together? No? She she mentioned that it, it was really bad. It does seem like bad. you have free will and agency in this scenario, and you are watching Heart of Dixie nonstop. Romancing the Stone. Romancing the Stone. Romancing the Stone. <laughs> All 
sorry. Okay. <laughs> so then we meet, we meet our hero. There's a shootout. We see him in silhouette. He's on a hill. He's shooting at Zolo. Zolo shoots him. One shot that did work, Mr. Zemeckis, was the shot with the canteen and the water spotting out. That was pretty good. Spouting out? Yes. Good. Anyway, big shootout. Pum, 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 shooting out all the windows in the bus. Good stuff. Eventually, he run, Zolo runs away with and, Colton and shooting after him. All she's thinking is, is this Jesse? Yeah, because it this, looks like him. Is, is, yeah. It looks all in a silhouette. Very, very well done. Yeah. He can't shoot and, for shit, though. That's a difference no, between bad him and at Jesse. shooting. Awful at shooting. At the end, when he's run out of ammo, it's like finally, yeah, right? he, shot, he shot eighteen times at this guy. Couldn't hit him. Um, he's mad about his birds. We saw when the bus crashed, a bunch of parrots flew away. Um, they must have been in the Land Rover. The Land Rover turns out to be his Land Rover that was full of exotic parrots. I don't know why he wasn't in it. Maybe he was taking a leak or something. I don't know. Um, but he is a Seller of exotic birds. I believe they're called poachers, but yes, I totally yeah. agree with you. <laughs> yeah. So he goes into the truck, pulls out the glossy photograph of the sailboat that he wants to buy, and says to it, we're just going to have to wait a little bit longer. And sailboat. Th- and this is exactly what was accomplished in her apartment. That's what I liked about the e- economy of the script was like, okay, now we get Jack. We totally get mm-hmm. the only thing he's looking for. This is what we're trying to get. Fantastic. As hokey as it is to just pull out a glossy photo of the of the boat that you want. And an 8x10 glossy. Not like a little yeah. one you'd carry in your wallet. Just like, <laughs> shing, air. Oh, it good. It didn't get ruined. Just have a photo of your dream that you carry <laughs> around with you. Santa Fe, <laughs> are you there? <laughs> Do you swear you At least it wasn't me? a comic book photo. Fair enough. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, okay, so then the bad guy, Zolo, gets into Danny DeVito's car, flashes a badge, so he has a badge, takes it. It's clear that DeVito is wanted because he's trying to, like, cover his face and, like, he's tries to, he's tries to say he's not American by, like, clearly speaking English and being like, no, I'm not American. <laughs> Americans, I spit on them. <laughs> Another great point good about stuff. DeVito and kind of everybody in this movie and why this movie is so good, and I genuinely enjoyed watching this 35 mm-hmm. years after it came out or whatever everyone knows what movie they're in mm-hmm. nobody's yes. confused nobody like yeah. devito is way overacting but that's the point like yeah, that's he's the whole, good at he's he, good yeah so good at it yeah um then we get this great establishing banter between jack and joan it's real good where She's like, you know, I'm trying to get to Cartagena. You have to help me. He's like, I don't help ladies that are stranded. You know, he's like the cool guy and she's desperate. It's it's real good. She says she'll pay him. I think she starts at a hundred dollars. Fifty. Fifty. In- insulting. To get to a phone. And he laughs in her face. They go back and forth with numbers. At one point, he says the minimum price for taking a desperate woman to a telephone is four hundred dollars. <laughs> I love that line. Well, then um, he also says, I, I ain't cheap, but I can be had. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yes. So good. It's so good. Yes, you can, Mike. Um, She gives him 375 in traveler's checks, <laughs> which is very 1984. I like that he had a brand that he was willing to accept. American uh-huh. Express. Yes. Okay, then we're good. Um, So they start walking down this like muddy road. He's carrying her suitcase. It's uh, It's so good. 
she's up ahead. He's carrying her suitcase, and then he just drops it at the spot that she's at and continues walking. Because well, she walks away expecting for her $375 of valet. Yeah, exactly. And she's yeah. like, he walks, and she's like, what, uh, uh, hello? And so mm-hmm. I, I did enjoy And that was very Indiana Jones. Like, that's an uh, Indiana Jones move. Hot. It was hot. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now it's raining. Um, she's dragging her suitcase. She's wearing her winter coat, which she brought to Columbia. She's wearing her heels still. She wore like a business, a white business suit with heels. And he's basically like, this, this lady slowed me down. We're losing daylight. Says, is there any valuables in that suitcase? And she's like, no. Well, yes, all my clothes and stuff. And he's like, do you have a good pair of shoes in there? And she's like, no. And then he throws it off a cliff. Loved it. And she's upset. Yes. And she starts yelling at him, and then she slips down a mudslide, and then he goes right after her. Incredible scene. This has got to be the most famous scene in the movie, I would think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. and the part that sells it for me isn't just, like, the actual action of going down the mudslide, which, good filming techniques and all that crap. His brief pause, knowing... I'm screwed. I'm going to fall down this mudslide too. Uh-huh. And there's nothing I can do about it. So I don't try to sidestep it. He's just, uh. uh. Yeah. <laughs> he just kind of Yeah. He's just, uh. Oh, it's so good. It's and so good. And also so her good. yelling too, like right before she goes, like her mid yell. The whole thing is really good. It's excellent. And then he lands with his face between her legs, which is also incredible. Like a, a, a lesser film would have had him land on top of her in a missionary-style position instead yes. of his whole head between her legs yes. with her legs open. Robert Zemeckis was like, I can do better. Or maybe and Michael Douglas did. was like, <laughs> I can do better, and he did. Let's let's be honest here. I could, I could see Michael Douglas going like, okay, I get you, but here's what we're going to do. This is funnier. So he, he pulls his whole head up out of the water and shakes the water off of his face and smiles at her. Oh, it's so hot. Um, these people are too attractive mm-hmm. to not be doing it more in this movie. Um, <laughs> there is, there. I get that we're trying to establish this romance as it builds, but mm-hmm. how does he not just kiss her and then move on from there? I would have, I would have enjoyed that. I would have liked like one of those rogue kisses that's just like grab you and like that's what I'm and talking then about. Never talk about it afterwards. Exactly, that's what I'm yeah. talking about. Like we just slid down a mudslide. We could have died. It's not mm-hmm. actually a slip and slide, and mm-hmm. we didn't. And this is crazy. I'm on this crazy ass adventure, and mm-hmm. I kiss you, and I walk away, and she's sitting there just like dumbfounded by what the hell just happened. Well, that, did you know that know. they actually slid down like an actual mudslide in actual? I think they filmed in Mexico, Mexico. like in an actual jungle. No. Like that's how they filmed that? No. Uh Uh-huh. Kathleen Turner got an abrasion so bad that she needed to immediately go get stitches. What was Bob Zemeckis doing on this set? I I don't know. I think that's what the producers of (laughs) Cocoon said. And then they pulled out. Yeah, they were like, look, Cocoon has a lot of old people in it. We can't be murdering folks. Yeah, and I guess, like, the place, it, they were in an area where they were going to film it, and the place, like, collapsed into an actual mudslide. And they're like, oh, okay, well, that would have been catastrophic for the cast and crew, so let's go over to this mudslide instead. <laughs> like, the, 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 I don't know how to say it, like, the cliff fell, boom, right. like, where they would have been standing. Cool, cool, good job. <laughs> good, good location scouting. 
Yeah, but so he's laughing, she's crying and um, upset and panicked, and he says, welcome to Columbia, Joan Wilder. It's so good. Danny DeVito's now at the military compound with Zolo. There's wanted posters of him all over the place. Uh, we find out that Zolo is the one that killed Eduardo, Joan's brother-in-law. Yes. Yeah. The, we clip back to the kidnapping, the boat. Does this not look like just the most comfortable kidnapping you I have know. ever seen? Nice little baked potato. Some moe. Mm-hmm. They got a poker table set up on a nice yacht. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's supposed to be, though. Because, like, when Elaine's calling and when, like, I think it's supposed to be ironic because she thinks, like, oh, these men, these bad men who have my sister and they're going to kill her and she's probably locked in this, like, dungeon or something. And then the actuality of the situation is it's, like, Danny DeVito's cousin Ira with a pocket knife. And right. they're having, like, these luxurious lunches on a yacht. I'm just saying, if you're going to kidnap me, mm-hmm. let's do that. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Might stay forever. Big fan. Hotel Cartagena. Can't wait. <laughs> then we go back to our hero and heroine in the jungle. She's bent over a log. And he's like, what's your deal? Are you are you throwing up? What's happening? And she's like, no, I lost my button. And then like the sleeve <laughs> of her dress just like falls off. And he takes her shoes and chops off the heels of them. And she's like, those were Italian. And he goes, now they're practical. Great line. It was, uh, yeah. She goes, is nothing I own sacred to you? And he says, yes, you're $375 (laughs) in traveler's checks. (laughs) So then people start shooting at them. And he's like, who the hell are you? These guys are after. He thinks they're after him for like poaching and blah, blah, blah. And then he realizes they're after her. And he's like, who the hell are you? And she's like, I'm a romance novelist from New York City. And she's like, um, you know, I told you it was a dire situation. And he's like, yeah, I thought you were donating a kidney. I didn't think that you were like involved with the cartel or whatever. Um, So he says the deal is off. But this is where we got to start giving Zolo some investigatory credit on his hunting people down in a jungle capabilities. He does love the hunt. This is what I'm saying. How does he find them? They fell down a fucking mudslide. I don't, I don't know. It's impressive. This is what I'm saying. We're not going up against some sort of guy with no skills or some madman in a, in a mansion here. We got a, we got a guy who who loves doing this, who's capable of doing this. Yeah, it seems. Continues to find, like, literally in a massive downpour, Zolo in a day finds two people in a gigantic jungle. So impressive. I think that we are up against a madman in a mansion. A man who, instead of getting the priceless gem or whatever that we're looking for, would rather hunt the most dangerous game. (laughs) (laughs) But That's what he's about. There's skill involved, is my point. And I, I am impressed by that skill. Okay. So they're running. They're running through the jungle. And then they come across this gorge. And he goes, lady, you're a jinx, which I really like that <laughs> I one. did too. So he's like, stay here. I'm going to set up my shotgun. Like, I yeah. don't know what all he's doing. Just like put the shell, put the bullets in the shotgun. Like, I don't understand. He's like setting up a whole sniper scenario here. I'm like, there's not a lot to like put together. Well, and he's also like, no, we're not going to go across that bridge. That's 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 an impossibility. Stand behind me so we can die here. Like, that's the only, he's like, what are you going to do, a last stand? You got to keep moving. You got to keep moving. He's going to shoot them all. 
Um, so while he's putting together his gun, mumbling to himself, she starts crossing the bridge, this like shaky bridge across this big gorge. And the bridge gives out. She holds onto a vine and swings like Jane or Tarzan across the gorge and just is plopped onto the other side with no skill whatsoever. And he sees this and is like, this is a cool adventure lady. Yes. Like, how capable. And then he gets his own vine swings across and again bounces off the foam that is the rock I mean, face on the other side very very like children's playground uh, uh-huh. landing there he climbs up she's drinking one of her little celebration shooters because she her nerves are so frayed and he's like what the what the hell are you doing we're getting chased by armed men are you drinking and then he snatches it from her and like drinks <laughs> the rest of it oh it's so I could, good i could have died you're drinking uh-huh. uh-huh. So then they're bushwhacking. They're bushwhacking through the jungle. And he is, he's got a machete and he's cutting through all the, the vegetation. And he stops to take a breather because it's hard work. And she's like, oh, are we stopping? What's what's going on? I loved it. And one of the things I really love about Kathleen Turner in this movie is she could have played all of these lines really like aloof. Yeah. So she could have been like, oh, are we stopping? Like he's her manservant. Like. Like Nicole Kidman in Far and Away or something like that. Yes. Like she's above him. But really, she's just like, oh, is it? Are we are we done for a while or, or what's no, going on? Like she's she genuinely genu- curious. <laughs> she is genuine through this whole movie. I love that. Is the I love the perfect it. thing. Like she is capable, but also not afraid to be like, okay, what is happening now? Right, don't right, right. quite know what's happening now. So he's like, yeah, uh, you can you can try this if you want. <laughs> like he gives her the machete and then her trying to bushwhack with the machete. She is, again, genuinely going after it, trying to do it. And you really feel like she's doing her best. Yeah. And just not it's at not, all. Not forward. getting a lot done. <laughs> but he does see her leg. There's a zoom in on on those gams. And this is the moment. <laughs> those gams. I hope the shot sheet said that. Uh, zoom in on I Gams. I wouldn't be surprised. And this is the moment that Michael Douglas identifies her as a sexy lady. As, as, as a potential sexual partner. Yes. So then she machetes through some vegetation and then all of a sudden there's like a, a skeletor dead body, like a juicy skeleton yes. of a pilot hanging out of a plane. And they realize there's this huge plane wreck. So they go into the plane She's worried there's going to be other dead bodies in the plane, but he's like, no, it's very clearly a cargo plane. This is a one-man operation. And in the back is just, like, all the pot you could ever imagine. Yes. And some booze. And olives. So, were there olives? Yeah, she's eating olives. There were olives in that guy's bag, yeah. So, just a a smorgasbord of of opportunities in this plane. Um, And they start a little fire, and he throws on a kilo. Like, three kilos of pot? Later in this scene where he says, all right, I'm going to put another key on the fire. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Perfect. What a great line. I like to think that was a Michael Douglas original. This this is the part, too, where, as I was talking about, there needed to be more sex in this PG movie, which I love mm-hmm. 1980s PG before we had PG-13. Fantastic stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But how do they not have sex in this plane? Oh, it's gross in there. I don't know. I, I kind of like I, I kind of like it how it is. I agree that it's gross in there, but buying the premise of this entire like the grossness of this entire situation 
They have. I just. I would. I don't want to say they disappointed because the movies. They don't know each other right, yet. This is see, where they first are are intimate with each other. And I kind of wanted them to have sex without her knowing his name. I kind of wanted that. Been, that would have been nice. Yeah. And <laughs> then, like after the plane sex, she could have been uh-huh. like, "I don't even know your name." He's like, "Yeah, well, you didn't ask." Like, I would have really <laughs> enjoyed that. Yeah. This this movie was not written by Katie Robert or Alicia Rye. This movie was written by <laughs> Diane whatever. Understandable. It, it would have gone differently if it would have been written by another author. All right. Okay, so um they kind of he he asks her, "Okay, what's the what's the real deal here? What's your sister involved in? What are you tied up in?" She's like, "Her husband died and I'm here to comfort her." He's like, "Whatever, I don't believe that." He starts looking in her bag for matches. I don't know what the fuck she's doing. She's not paying attention. And he finds well, probably the map. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. He finds he finds the map. Um, so he's putting marijuana on the fire, breathing it in. <laughs> um, he they discuss the map. He says, "Okay, it's it's the map to El Corazon. It's hidden in the province that we're currently in. So by happenstance, she's taken a bus to where the treasure map leads, and not to the place where they were going to barter her sister." And she starts going off on this tirade about how he's an opportunist and not a real man and how he's taking advantage of her and he's selfish and he just wants treasure and that kind of stuff. No, no. She goes off on a tangent calling him a Mondo Dismo. Yes. I'm not a well-read man. What is that? I don't know. Okay. I I didn't know if that was like from this movie or... If it was like, I know I, I, it's probably a romance term. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. I was like, I, am I supposed to know what that is? I have no clue what that is, which was his reaction. Like, right. Well, what are you talking about? She says he's selfish yeah, because which, he's talking which, about going after the treasure. And she says, and he, he's like, I'm not selfish. I saved your ass back there. Like I saved your life before any money was even discussed at the back at the, uh, the bus. Right. And, She's like, well, a real man wouldn't call attention to his selfless actions and you know, goes <laughs> off on this whole thing. And then while she's on this thing, uh, a big snake comes up behind her and he chops its head off. And then I did not appreciate that, that scene. I did not appreciate oh, that. Do you not I, like snakes? I do not do snakes. I do not. <laughs> when they approached the plane, all I was thinking was don't go in that plane. Do not go in that plane. Because there are going to be so many snakes, be snakes in, in there. there <laughs> there's no chance there was going to be zero snakes in that plane. How do you, how do you, do you like uh, walking through tall grass or, or leaf matter? I am, I don't want to talk about leaf litter. <laughs> you guys, listen. I... Cole will walk through tall grass or leaf litter because he's so nope. afraid of snakes. And I'm nope. talking about in Illinois, he won't walk through a tall grass nope. or a leaf litter. If you see leaf pit vipers are everywhere. You don't know. <laughs> it's awesome. You don't yes. know. Whew. Okay. They blend so pulls... into everything. They don't have feet. They can jump <laughs> i do not like it is what the fuck are you talking about they can jump like a so, corkscrew like sir hiss no <laughs> like... so last time last time i saw a snake i was with jed and we were golfing and there was this big snake on the cart path and there was a curb next to it and i did not want to drive forward because i'm like fuck this nope uh-uh not <laughs> going anywhere near it and the snake like I don't know how, but used its abs or whatever to jump up <laughs> on the curb. And it's I'm like, that's abs. a fucking jumping snake. Like, I don't do snakes. I don't do snakes. I'm happy to deal with most. Like, I had it been a bear inside the plane, 
totally fine. I'll, I'll, I'll take wish my chances. I could have seen the physical reaction you had when that snake jumped on the curb. Oh, like, I lost I can, my shit. In my mind's eye, I can see, like, you're, like, you're scrambling over the top of the golf cart. You're, like, I could, jumping. I could not put the golf cart in reverse fast enough. I'm like, but I'm not going that way. There was no chance. I'm driving forward. <laughs> it's fucking frightening. So, yes, I don't do snakes. I don't understand the physics of snakes. It's not fair. I'm out. Mm-hmm. Moving on. All right. So they're kind of getting to know each other in the plane. They talk about all their hopes and dreams. She asked if he was always into poaching parrots. <laughs> He's also unreasonably upset about the Doobie Brothers breaking up. Yeah, oh, God, I loved it. He, Which, it's like a Rolling Stone from like several years before. He's like, oh, the Doobie Brothers broke up. <laughs> but he's also, like, how long have you been here? <laughs> he's also not nearly excited enough about Michael McDonald's solo career. Like, there's a lot of good <laughs> stuff coming your way, man. <laughs> um, so she, he says he wasn't always into birds, but he was always into shortcuts because he, he has a dream. She wants to know what that dream is. That's where he's like, ah, I think we should throw another key on the, <laughs> on the campfire. <laughs> but um, he says that he came down to Columbia on a coffee boat. Did I hear that right? You did. I didn't understand that either. I don't know what that is. He's like, hell of a job, that coffee boat. I don't understand what that is. But he couldn't get over the ocean, just being out in the ocean alone. And she's like, gosh, that sounds so lonely. And he's like, I'm going to buy the sailboat and, you know, all that. I'm just assuming the writer was like, what do they got in Columbia? Coffee? Coffee boat. Sure, why not coffee a, boat. Why not a fishing <laughs> boat? I don't understand. Sure. <laughs> but okay. We can cut this, but it just occurred to me that... If the snake in that plane would have been a pit viper, it would have been a cockpit viper. (laughs) (laughs) I told you that they're real. I told you. Cockpit (laughs) viper. Oh. Oh, you can't cut that. (laughs) And a joke from 15 years ago comes full circle. It all comes full circle. Oh, man. Okay. No, I will cut that. I'll just send you the audio. Oh, Sorry, please I do. None okay. of you people would know what that was anyway, and it takes too long to explain. All right. Okay. Um, he's. She says, "I just realized I don't. I don't know your name. What's your name?" And he's like Jack T. Colton, and she wants to know what the T stands for. And he says, "Trustworthy." Just, just awesome. Just great stuff. Yep. And he turns to do something, and she passes out face first. <laughs> Onto the the plane seat, and then he uh, takes out that map, gives it a little little look see, yeah, a little once is. over. Very uh, what I would call rudimentary. This is not a national treasure map. This is a okay, kids. We're going to draw mm-hmm. treasure maps in recess today because uh, yep. it's raining. So to do your worst, and the kid who got a C did this map. <laughs> yeah, there's no like trail. There's just like kind of stuff on it. <laughs> it's not really a map map. No. There's no dotted line with an X at the end. It's just stuff. Which is how it works. We all know That's how maps are. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We clip back to Danny DeVito. Nothing's really going on, but did you realize he was asleep in the back of that car reading her book? Yes, I did. Yeah. I saw that. That's kind of a cool touch. Um, So they're in this like little village now. They're getting followed by some scary looking guys um, and they are trying to find a car. So they're hoping to go into this village and buy a car. She turns around to the scary looking guys and says, hey, we're looking to buy a car. Does anyone have a car? And they're like, sure. That guy up on the hill, 
he has a car. You can go up there. So they go up to this compound, which is like a great idea. And just like ring the bell, knock yeah, on the door. Knock Hi, on the door. we're two Americans. Do you guys have a car that we could buy inside this mysterious compound <laughs> in a the very tiny house. Colombian, yeah, Colombian village? He says, no, there's no car for them there. Points a gun at them. They turn around. The scary guys also have guns. And Jack Colton says, why don't you write your way out of this one, Joan Wilder? And in an iconic scene, they all say, Joan Wilder? Juanita Wilder? We love your books. Especially the guy that's in charge of the compounds. Like, come in, come in. I have all of your books. We read all of them. He's like putting on a cowboy hat being like, look, I'm like Jesse. I could be in one of your books. Oh, yeah. It's incredible. He's like, I read this one. I'm waiting on this one. Look, and, you know, like Jack's carrying one around. He gives one to Jack's like, you got to read this. This is so good. Oh, it's it's wonderful. For you romance lovers out there, the guy mm. who played Juan, who is the owner of the compound, his name is Alfonso Arau, and he directed uh-huh. A Walk in the Clouds. Really? This is, this, is, this is what I bring to this. You're blowing my mind with that one. That's this good. That's what I'm here for. That's yeah. Good. Um, she asks if he has a phone, and he says, I don't have a phone. Let's hang out. <laughs> I don't have a really phone. No love. phone. I don't like phones. No phone. Let's hang out. I have hang out. I have Southern Comfort. I have Michelob. <laughs> I- <laughs> yeah, he does. He says, I have Southern Comfort or Michelob. Oh, it's so good. Um, they ask if he has a car, and he's like, oh, no, you must mean Pepe, my little mule. There's no car here. Then the next thing we see is... This Jeep pickup, it's a pickup, I guess, or like, I don't remember what it is. Driving through the gates of this compound, shattering them. Yeah. And then they're in a car chase from these, the... From Zolo and everybody. The Zolo guys. I needed a scene there where it was like, Zolo's outside, he's following you. And then that guy was like, to Pepe, my car. That's all I needed. No, what they did was, and you're right, they missed this scene because there was they cut away from the house and you see zolo and his guys threatening the villagers with have you seen two white people and the villagers like no 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 and then like you said it would have been nice to even have like some guy on the walkie talkie like hey boss zolo's in town looking for whatever yeah and he's like juanita's in danger i have to help her so exactly three seconds totally there with one that's all i needed again and you know where we could have taken that three seconds from Monkey Man at the beginning. Yes. I actually, because he went kink with it, I don't want to cut it from him, but I hear what you're saying. You know what? Let's take the moon scene. Let's go ahead and rip that moon moon uh, transition out of there. Yep. We don't need it. We can do a hard cut right to <laughs> Columbia. That's fine. So he he's like driving crazy all around town in this uh, this car chase. He's showing him stuff. My brother planted that tree. My mother was born he's right over there. He's treating the whole thing like a tour. It's perfect. He's- so excited to meet Joan Wilder and show her his village. He's I was a so little excited. I was a little confused though because he stops in the middle of. It. He's like, "Oh, I can't hit my favorite pig." But did you notice when he turned around, he totally drove over a chicken? Yes. This is not a no animals were harmed film. No, that chicken was fucked up after no, that. They, I mean, they, it's still going because it's flapping around underneath that jeep. But it's not. No, it, it did not live long. It didn't go for a long time. No, this this no. is one of those where the filmmakers were like, there were no animals straight murdered, that, 
Yeah, that chicken was an accident. Like, I don't yeah. think they put a chicken underneath the Jeep. <laughs> I just think there were a lot of chickens around. That would be hilarious. Like, we got to hurt at least one animal. Uh, there's no way this guy doesn't hurt anything. Honestly, there are places in the world where it is hard not to run over a chicken. It's true. I'm serious. I'm not. This this has happened to me in several (laughs) areas of the world where it's just like, whoops. I mean, there were way too many chickens in that parking lot. I don't know. I'm sorry. (laughs) But I do when he's going through and they get out of the cornfield and Jack's like, what are you doing? That field was covered. He's like, I wanted to show you this other field. Yeah. (laughs) So good. So there's this like little uh, not river. I would call it a creek. Yes. Without a bridge that he's hurtling toward. And then he does a remote control like ramp. Yep. And then launches over the creek and then makes it go up so that everybody else crashes into it. Why doesn't he just put it down? Because now he's got to fix it. Yeah, that's the thing. Is when, So then they show them in like a, a field and she's like picking flowers and her hair's down now. And they're like near this village and they're all hanging out. And he's like, they're never going to get across that river. Because it's unpassable 200 miles either way. And it gets really peligroso down by the city where you're about to go over the waterfalls of it. Um, so they're not coming. And I'm like, how are you getting back, man? Not only like, how are you, you getting back. Like, you destroyed your bridge. But why are you not, like, thinking, well, they can't drive across it. Yeah. But they could, like, I could have jumped across, across that creek. Yeah, yeah. They could walk across it. Mm-hmm. I guess I just assumed that they'd driven a really long way after the Maybe, river. Yeah, hopefully. Because uh, the, the way that it cuts, you're like, did they just stop like 80 feet over the river? I don't know. But they hey. do, and they see the Devil's Fork, which is the, the payoff of this, now we're relaxing. Yeah, Devil's Fork was on the map. It was one of the places on the map, is right there, right by the village. So they go down into the village. They lose Juan. Juan's like, you know, thank you. Goodbye. So they go yeah. down into the village and she pays him and because he's gotten her to a phone. She called the kidnappers to see what was going on with the kidnapping. She knows where the the hotel is, where she has to go. There's a bus from that village to Cartagena. She's good to go. He's filled his end of the bargain. She pays him for traveler's checks. Oh, but he first goes to like somewhere and is like, do you have a Xerox machine? And they're like, yeah. He's like, okay, because he's going to make a copy of that map. What, what Was the front desk guy unnecessarily rude at the beginning? I don't know that where, I noticed. Where Michael Douglas is like, in Spanish, is like, hey, do you guys have a room with a bathroom? And the guy's mm-hmm. like, yeah, all our rooms have baths. I'm like, okay, shit, a yes would have been fine. I don't, like, <laughs> it's all good. I, Maybe I you thought he be was rude. being like a little, you know, like, of course we have bathrooms. Like, we're a reputable hotel. Like, maybe you thought he was talking down to him. I don't know. I just, it was just, it felt aggressive. We also, Danny DeVito is in this town on the payphone that she uses to call the kidnappers being like, Ira, I lost him. And then he sees them and is like, she's here. She's with a guy. I don't know why she's with a guy. <laughs> she likes guys. And then he says... You like guys too, you maricone. And that is a horrible derogatory term for gay people, which has been cut from every version of this movie I've seen at least recently. But Hulu yeah. apparently likes to keep it. I don't yeah, know why. That one that line hit hard. I was just like, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> um But I've I've watched this on 
like TBS and stuff. Like I've watched it many yeah. times throughout the years. That has been cut from most of the the versions I've seen. But Hulu was like, yeah, let's keep that in. That's that's a line we want in the movie. It's essential. <laughs> it's- um. So he says to her, you know, maybe we don't have to be done with this. Maybe I'll just maybe I can buy you dinner. Maybe you can go up to my hotel room, clean off. I'll get you some new clothes to to change into. There's, by happenstance, some kind of a festival going on here in this little yeah. town tonight. What, I was going to hop over here and get myself a little hip sash for no reason. There's things yeah. that I was going to do, so. <laughs> she, he gets her some clothes. He takes her out. They're eating dinner. He says he likes her writing. He gets her a little necklace that's got a little heart on it, you know, like the Corazon. Um they're dancing. Did you know during some of this dancing scene, Michael Douglas was just dancing with Kathleen oh. Turner and they didn't know that they were filming? Of course he was. The part where he's just dancing alone. And That's he's just got him? like, he's That's doing just the, yeah, he's got like one hand out and he's like demonstrating how to do good dancing. That's just Michael Douglas. That sounds about right. That jealous? About right. Still jealous? So, so I will, I will see your Michael Douglas tidbit and raise you a Michael Douglas and Jack Nicholson tidbit. Yes. So did you know that after Body Heat came out, uh-huh. obviously Kathleen Turner became very famous, was in uh-huh. this movie, eventually did Prizzy's Honor with Jack Nicholson. And uh-huh. Jack Nicholson told Kathleen Turner, you know, when you first came on the scene, Michael Douglas and I had a bet about who would sleep with you first. And who won? According to her, no one. Good. Good. But so Kathleen Turner won. <laughs> Kathleen Turner was like they were having a bit of a fling on the set of Romancing the Stone. Yeah. But his wife showed up and that was yep. like, oh, okay, we're put the kibosh on that. But according to Kathleen Turner, nobody won the bet. But to be fair, Michael Douglas and his wife were separated at the time. Yes, that is true. So it wasn't like, you know, the grossest kind of affair. But yeah. yeah wasn't great but it was she showed up wanted to work it out so they you know stopped right flirting right. hanging out um okay so danny devito's underneath i'm about to hit you with another tidbit that i know you don't know <laughs> so he's underneath this table and he's like trying to crawl underneath the tables to get to her bag where the map is while they're dancing and there's this like lady in a really fancy dress eating do you know what i'm yes. talking about oh yeah this is where he's talking about i've lost my langostino yeah, yes. <laughs> so he like hits his head on the table and she's like, "Why you're underneath the table like googling my parts or whatever." And um googling that, my parts. I I was between goggling and oogling, I think. I don't know. So, and, you know, she's offended or whatever. Danny DeVito's under the table. I don't know why I just like stayed on to watch the credits of this movie. The actress that plays that lady, her name is just Chachita. <laughs> that's it in quotes it's in quotes yes in the credits and it's like lady eating dinner at festival or whatever like it cannot be mistaken who who that lady is and then the, the name is just Chachita <laughs> I definitely didn't know that I am also having a love affair with our competition in this particular episode yep. <laughs> yep. I know you don't fucking know this <laughs> Yep. Um, there's more to come. I hope so. So then they kiss while they're on the dance. He gives big dip. It's Good it's kiss. the moment, you guys. The music swells. 
it is the most, it is such a stage kiss. It is like, let's open our mouths as wide as possible and move our faces as much as we can. And it worked for me. Yep. It was good. Yep, it worked. <laughs> here's, how good the, here's how good the kisses are in this movie is that during this dance sequence, they're both dressed like psychopaths. And I'm still <laughs> all in on like, finally, I mean, what is he, what is he wearing? <laughs> He's wearing an all white, um, like the white pants, white shirt, white belt sash. But like super deep, deep v. v. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he's got a a cloth hip sash that you would yeah. see in like tombstone. It is very Miami Vice too. Yeah, like and and the pants are actually uh, like sweatpants uh, waistband material. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's crazy pants. Do you but, have a feeling that Michael Douglas is just like for this scene? I want to bring something from my own closet because I yes, can see an eighties yes. Michael Douglas actually wearing this outfit just around L.A. Well, he did an interview where he was talking about like, yeah, my friends, you know, are always like talking about like, they didn't know I, I would do a movie like this, which is a lot closer to who I am. I'm like, really? what? <laughs> this is closer to who you are? He's like, um, yeah, you put, know, I was- putting another key on the campfire, maybe, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I'm usually playing lawyers or doctors or whatever, but they're like, yeah, uh-huh. this role is a lot closer to you. I'm like, I am so confused now. I'm whatever, very- I'll take it. Oh, I'm into it. Don't get yeah. me wrong. I just, I feel like that's that confidence of a kid who grew up in Hollywood. Yeah. It's like, this is who I am. I think you would probably die in the jungle, Mike. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So they have sex. We get pillow talk. They talk about how they're going to go sail around the world together. And then she's like, you know what? I've been thinking about it. And I want to go get that gem. Where the what I want to go get El Corazon, whatever it is, where the map leads. I want to go get that, and then we'll have bargaining power for Elaine, my sister. And then she says to him, "If we need to give it up to get Elaine back to protect her, you'll give it up, right?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, totally for your sister." But like maybe we could get to keep it, and we could buy this boat, and we could sail around the world together. And she's like, "Oh, it's so wonderful, such a romance." And then they're falling asleep and you see him sneak the map from underneath the mattress and put it back into her bag. <laughs> oh, it's so good. <laughs> He's Perfect. like, we're going ha- to have to have sex one more time because I have to hide the map back in your bag. I'm sorry. Just have to. Yeah. <laughs> they hijack a car that happens to be Danny DeVito's car. He's sleeping in the back of it. Zero chance they don't notice that Danny DeVito is in this smart car sized car. He's a small guy. Yeah, I get that, but he throws his bag in the back. They mm-hmm. drive, which is, there's a really good scene where he's like, I'm hot wiring the car. She's like, or you could just try the key. Turn the key. <laughs> yeah. uh, but they get to this place, and then he's wading through, because she, she's the one who figures out the map. They think they come to a dead end. And mm-hmm. she's like, no, you fold it together. There's a heart. And boom, he's like, oh my God, genius. Let's go to this waterfall. And you see them walking through the waterfall, and he's got his backpack on him because he's got his shovel and all this other shit. How did he get mm-hmm. his backpack out of the back of that car without noticing that there is a human in the back with it? <laughs> There's a lot of blankets and shit back there. He's He is a small adult, but he is a very large baby. So you would notice <laughs> the fact that he is there. But anyway, buying the premise, they move on. They go towards, to the waterfall. They saw they, it on the map. They folded it and the lady's hair made a waterfall. So they go to the waterfall and then... 
La Leche de la Madre is back there, like a milky, a weird milky pond in the cave. Fine. So then he's digging with the shovel that he keeps in his backpack. And they're digging, they're digging. And she says, Jack Colton, you're the best time I've ever had. And he looks up and he says, I've never been anybody's best time before. And then they find it. They find the bunny statue. I can't think of anything sexier to say to somebody than you're the best time I've ever had. It's hot. It's a good line. crazy. And I like that they gave it to the woman in the movie because typically that's the line they would give to the guy. Loved it. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. And it's like right before they find the thing, you know, it's the climax of the film. It's great. It's so good. So they pull it out and it's like this useless bunny statue. And he's like, what a what a terrible prank. And she's like, in my first book, I hid the treasure in a statue. And then they break it. And it's like a plastic green triangle. This and is like, this is another it. reason this movie spoke to me so much is because I am a diehard baseball fan. And that is just <laughs> a home plate. That thing is just in the shape of a home plate. <laughs> Yeah, it but it it has a lot of glimmer to it, and so yeah. that's how you know yeah. it's spindy. Question um, though, how yes. long ago do you think that map was drawn? It looks I don't like know. an old map, right? Yeah, it looks like mm-hmm. a really old map. Yeah, why is it in a bunny trinket from 1972? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know because there is nothing about how old that map looks versus how old that trinket is that matches up in a timeline to me. Yeah, that's that is weird. I could see like a porcelain bunny statue having been around in like the 30s. See, that map looks like it's like a ancient. Yeah, map. it like looks a, like it's an 1800s map for sure. Yeah, I was just when they got the bunny, I'm like, now I'm confused. Did somebody <laughs> find the stone? And like, yeah, that is weird. I found yeah. it. Now time for somebody else to find it. I have this shit my aunt gave me. I'll bury it again in the same spot. So then when Jack Colton sees the stone, he says, oh, we're in a lot of trouble because he can tell that it's a heavy, spindy, glittery stone. And then behind them, Danny DeVito's got a gun and is like, that's an understatement of the century. Give me the stone. Put it in my tote bag. (laughs) The most menacing villain, Danny DeVito. (laughs) Hey, I don't know if you remember the penguin, but... I'm insulted by that. I'm insulted by that. I didn't mean it literally. (laughs) But he was a pretty menacing villain. Oh, he's incredible in that. Uh-huh. But that's not Danny DeVito. That's the penguin. This really just feels like Danny DeVito. Relatedly, he then says, let's get out of here before Batman comes back. And they leave the cave. Um, Good call. That was, that, I just dunked that one. That was uh, nothing but net for Aaron. Um, okay. <laughs> so then they go outside. Zolo and, you know, his men are there. Blah, blah, blah. She starts calling names to Danny DeVito. And he says, listen, lady. At least I'm honest. I'm stealing this stone from you. I'm not trying to romance it out from under you by trying to convince you it's your idea to go for it and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like this guy, he's a con artist. And then she's like, my God, that is what happened. And so they're all running from Zolo's guy. He, DeVito's running from them on foot. Just firing a gun behind his back. Like, I'll just get <laughs> He had the gun. Why did he not? hold them up and say get the fuck out of my car i'm gonna yeah, drive missed away opportunity <laughs> instead he's like i got this zolo zolo loves the hunt danny devito likes to be hunted that's the <laughs> he, 
That's they the both Devito get cake. off on different things. Yeah. Uh huh. So uh-huh. he's running from a car, right? And trying to shoot them, and then they're running from all of Zolo's guys. Somehow she ends up driving through a river. She's well, fording a river what in the what? So when they were going towards the river, Michael Douglas is like, "What are you doing?" Mm-hmm. And she goes, "Let's try Lupe's escape because that was the name of the ramp that they did the other river on. So there was this mm-hmm. little ramp of dirt, and so Lupe's escape this time." Landed them <gasps> in the middle of the river. I got, and that's why that's when it's like, what happened to Lupe? I got it. I never heard that before. Okay, right. that makes more sense. So now they're floating down the river in this jeep or whatever, and then they go off the waterfall that they were just under. There's a great line before they go off the waterfall, though, where yes. she's like in there steering, and he's like, "What do you do? Stop! Stop! Quit steering! You're not going uh-huh. anywhere." <laughs> Yeah, I did like that she's driving in this chase scene. Loved it. Loved yeah, it. that was cool. So at the, they go over the waterfall. They end up on opposite sides of this raging rapids river. He's got the stone. She's got the map. And he's like, I'm so happy you're okay. And she's like, you planned this. And he's like, what the fuck? We just went off a waterfall. How the fuck? You were driving. How could I have planned this? And she's like, you planned for you to be on one side and me to be on the other. And he's just like flabbergasted by this. And he's like, give him the map. They don't know that I have the stone. You'll get your sister back. I will meet you in Cartagena. We'll go live our life of sailing around the world together. Yeah, yeah. She, a little unreasonable, I thought here. Yeah. Slightly unreasonable. Nothing has actually changed in their relationship. He has not done anything untrustworthy. Right. That she knows of. um, (laughs) Except that Danny DeVito has said this thing. But there's nothing she should be able to conjure in her memory where she's like, oh, yeah, he did do something shady. He's he's been on the up and up the whole time. Again, from her perspective. Okay. So... He says they're going to meet at the Hotel Cartagena. So now we're at the exchange. Um, Ira and Danny DeVito let go of the sister. They've got the map. Everything's going really well. And then all of a sudden, Jack Colton comes around the corner and says, we missed you at the hotel. And then he staggers forward. He's at gunpoint. And then it's like, we all did. Because Zolo followed them. To the hotel. Because he's so good at what he does. Yeah. So then they're like, they they went to where the map was. So that map is useless. Where's the stone? And she's like, we didn't find it. It was a dumb statue. We dug and dug and there wasn't anything there or whatever. Zolo decides to take Joan's hand and hold it over the gator pit until... They tell him where the stone is. I've got a gator question. What are alligators? How do they work? <laughs> I have a gator question. Yeah. I was hoping you would know this because I don't know. I, I get... just asked, "What are gators?" So <laughs> I, I know. I was hoping you wouldn't say that because I understand sharks like blood. I've heard that forever. You chum yes. the water, sharks come to blood. I've never heard the same about alligators. Yeah, but, nor I, nor I. But but I'm, I'm sure. I guess they do. But my point or I guess my logic here is there's an entire little pool of alligators, right? Mm-hmm. He cuts her hand to drip, like, blood into the alligators to, like, get them hungry. I, if, if you just throw her into it, they're going to eat her. They're not going to be like, oh, I'm sorry, she's not bleeding. We're not going to be able to attack this particular prey. Mm-hmm. Right? 
Like, I just did right. not understand the cutting of her hand. There, yeah, I don't understand the whole thing. Because why, why don't they just put her on the edge at gunpoint and say, we're going to throw your lady in the gator pit? Also would have worked. Or would have been fine shoot with her with the guns. Shoot her with the guns. There were other the threats knives. to be had. Or there's a whole, like, man-made pit of gators, like, a hundred yards away. There is a complete unnecessary obsession with alligators in this movie. <laughs> Ira's got him where we're getting ready to see where Zolo ends up, but he's always calling them snappers. He brings the alligators onto his yacht for no fucking reason. Uh-huh. Just, I don't know if they got a deal on gators or what the <laughs> fuck was going on. You mean the filmmakers? Yes. I just, we, got, we got 50 gators here. You can hey, have it for 50 bucks. Yeah. Well, we wanted to have lions. Lions are going to be more. Yeah. We need to move these gators. <laughs> these gators are priced to go. <laughs> um, okay, so they're talking about where's the stone. Jack says it's in a safe place. Then the guy tries to hit him in the nuts with the butt of his rifle. And it just goes clang. And then we realize that the stone is in his underpants. <laughs> I have a Jack is, problem here. It's a weird joke for this movie. <laughs> But it's I really weird, liked it. It's a weird joke. It all works out fine. But why do you bring the stone to the meetup? Yeah. I, I guess he thought that he might have to give it over for Elaine. Yeah, but wouldn't you at least use that as leverage to be like, I put the stone in a safe place. If we have to give you the stone, we'll give you the stone, but we have to go mm-hmm. get it. It also sounds like Zolo picked him up at the hotel. It may have already been in his underpants. Also fair. I don't know. So he like does a little wiggle and it comes out on his boot and then he kicks it into the gator pond and says choke on it. And the guy Zolo catches it, catches the stone, and then a gator comes up and bites his hand off. In a bizarrely gruesome gnawing of a hand for this movie. Well, here's the thing. The makers of this movie knew how that looked. Because <laughs> I don't think it's news to you. The guy nearly lost his hand to a gator in the making of this movie. I did not know that. What? I did not know that. Are you kidding me? No, I didn't know that. Oh Was I gosh. supposed to know that? Bing, boom, bong, bird click. <laughs> Stunts with Aaron. Okay, so at one point... I, I don't know. So the story of this thing is that Michael Douglas at one point grabs the tail of a gator. I can't believe it is that ending scene where he's pulling the gator tail off the roof of that building. Because that's got to be a fake gator tail. There's no way that that tail is attached to a gator. No. If so, he that blows my mind. That would be psychotic. But the story is this. That Michael Douglas had to touch the tail of a live gator for this film. And the gator's mouth was wired shut and he touched the tail of the gator or pulled it or whatever he had to do for the movie and it 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 swung around and it hit him like bodily and then jumped off into the water so then the gator trainer jumped off into the water after his alligator which is that how we do this we just jump like like michael douglas jump off the thing to get the gator like that seems not smart I don't understand anything you're saying. I, this is a real thing. I saw it in multiple news stores, sources, like that it was a real thing. 
the 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 wire came off or somehow the the gator got loose of his his mouth wire chomped down on this guy's hand and started doing the death roll with him and he finally got away and they rushed him to the er and he had this like chomped up hand and he was in the er and he i was michael douglas was like there with him and the guy started pointing at his hand and saying my rolex my rolex and everybody thought that he was trying to be like i've lost my rolex in these dire times when it's like you lost your hand but what he was trying to say was the gator bit down on his rolex not on his actual wrist and so his watch like saved his hand jesus it it was bloody but he the teeth didn't go into his his wrist I now completely understand why Zemeckis didn't do the sequel. This is mm-hmm. like Uncle Crazy's Danger Film School. I don't well, get... Zemeckis said he didn't do the sequel because doing rain jungle scenes was too hard. Not that a man nearly lost his hand. <laughs> I, I have questions about Douglas as a producer at this point, too. Yeah. like, kind of got to be responsible for the safety of everybody. Uh-huh. And you absolutely did not need to grab the tail of a real gator. No, that's what... I, yeah. That's what props are for. Uh-huh. Jesus. In the, in the interview I saw, I read with Zemeckis about getting fired from Cocoon, he said that the reason he got fired from Cocoon was that the stories coming up, because no one was down there supervising this crew that was in the jungle in, like, Mexico or whatever. So the stories coming out from this set were, like, Zemeckis doesn't know what he's doing, people are getting hurt, like, no, no one knows what, like, just cowboy shit is going on on this set, and so this director has no idea what he's doing. He's like, you know, I lost Cocoon, but, you know, they they clearly were getting, like, inflated stories out of this set. I'm like, oh, man, I just read an interview with Michael Douglas where he talked about this guy getting his hand fucking bit off. So I feel like there was some cowboy shit going on on this I feel like they were getting the accurate non-Robert Zemeckis stories up there at the Cocoon production. And they were like, we can't kill Wilford Brimley. I'm sorry. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Um, so he gets his hand bit off. Everybody's shooting all of a sudden. I'm not really sure why. I feel like it may be actual Colombian politics at this point. <laughs> why there's now a shootout. Because it's like, we know where the stone is. Everybody's got the thing they're going to get. The movie's over. But now right. they're shooting. So then uh, Joan and her sister are uh, are running. Michael Douglas has got the gator. He's pulling on its tail. He's trying to get it to not jump off this ledge so that he can get the stone. And Joan runs into Zolo and they're fighting and they're over the gator pit that's like uh, got you know, kind of a cross hatch trellis yeah. sort of thing over it. Guys, if you're going to have a gator dungeon with a view, mm-hmm. it's got to be iron. Yeah. You have do to it, make that out of metal. Yeah. yeah. You can't do it with plywood or mm-hmm. two by four, especially yeah. next to water. It's just it's bad planning. So he's got a gun on Joan Wilder, and he says, do you want to die slow like a snail or fast like a shooting star? And it's... it's <laughs> Such a terrible line. <laughs> yeah, but it's similar to the line in her book, right? Where the cowboy yes. has the gun yes. on Angelina and says, do you want to die fast like a such and such or slow like molasses in January? And so she, like that heroine, takes a knife and throws it at Zolo. And then he takes this piece of wood and like, I don't even understand this. Where does the wood come from? How did he have it in his hand? So he gets his hand cut off by, or torn off. He is crying about it and he wraps it up. He grabs a piece of wood to go after her. He also inexplicably lights up a cigar for no reason. 
goes and finds her. So he's got the wood. I think he's going to like beat her with it. That was going to be like his weapon. Didn't choice. he have a gun on her though? He just had a piece of wood. That's all he had. I think he had the wood. I don't know that he had a gun. Oh, okay. So he holds so up he the, wood, the wood. The knife yeah. goes into the wood. And then great he throw has by the Joan, knife. by the way. Great what? throw. Great yeah, throw great by throw. Joan. I mean, how could she know that he was going to have reflexes that fast? So he grabs Respect the knife. Now Zolo. he has a knife. Yep. And now he tackles her. He's on top of her with the knife. And she's reaching, reaching for the wood. Um, and they're on top of the gator pit. There are there are so many seconds. I would say seven to eight seconds of them laying there on the gator pit. While you can't figure out, like, just stab her, man. Like, what what are you waiting for? Yeah. You've got a knife on her. She's desperately reaching for a weapon. Stab her. Stab her in the neck, Just stab friend. her. Yeah. It's over. This is the end. I think, I think Zolo probably crushing a little bit on Joan, which I completely understand. Maybe this is their love story. It, it would have been better. staring into each other's Just eyes. Just a little bit better. It's a little bit better movie. So instead, he takes the... the She takes the cigar and she like burns him with it. And then he's yep. on fire. And he's on fire and he falls into the gator pit and he dies. Yes. And um, meanwhile... Michael Douglas has abandoned the gator, tried to shoot Zolo. It didn't work. He was out of ammo. Finally. And then climbs up the wall. Oh, right. I forgot. A brick wall. He's just looks at he's like, like Spider-Man. I got this. Incomprehensible to me. But by the time he gets up, she already took care of business, which I mm-hmm. liked. And they he let- hug. They reunite. It's wonderful. The Let's problem see. I have with this scene. Mm-hmm. It's a lovely end. He's like, you're going to be fine. You always were. Mm-hmm. And Joan Wilder, he, you're gonna be fine, Joan Wilder. He, ju- he jumps off the fort. Uh-huh. Badass exit, no questions. The yeah. problem is he does a fucking belly flop. And that takes away every cool point you would have received. Now, thank God Joan didn't see that because when he shows up later, she'd have been like, get the fuck out of here. He yeah. d- it's 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 not they never should have had that shot. Like Zemeckis <laughs> has got to be like, nope. Doesn't work. I love it. I I love that he leaves. Like, she's there holding her sister, and he's like, I'm out. And she's like, you're leaving me? Drops Elaine onto the concrete. This whole thing has been about Elaine. (laughs) Fuck. Fuck this. (laughs) This is now now about me and Jack. And she's like, you're leaving me? And he delivers a beautiful line. The kissing's so good. It's so, like, everything. This is such a romance. This is, like, the pinnacle of all the romance. Then he jumps off the, he leaves her, jumps off the, the cliff. I kind of love that he does a belly flop because that's kind of what's cool about this character is he's not completely smooth. He's also like a little bit, I don't know, like he he's smooth because he's lucky a lot and not because he's actually that smooth. You know what I'm saying? Like he's a little rough around the edges. He makes funny mistakes. I like that. I- I give you that, I guess. I still would have appreciated the fact that I'm supposed to buy that the guy is getting ready to go chase down a crocodile. And win. And win, and then make clothes out of that crocodile. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't know how to jump into water. I I don't know. There's no right right answer. Because he's also the hero that just tried to shoot the villain to save the heroine and realized that he was out of ammo and then tried to climb up the wall and then slid all the way down. And I don't know that he actually gets over that wall. He may just, like, go around and take the stairs at that point. We never see him come up over the wall. We just see yeah. him slide all the way down the bricks. 
You know, I kind of <laughs> like that he's a little hapless. I'll give you that. Uh, okay, you win. All right, you thank that. you. Uh-huh. And was that the ending of the movie, Rob? Like, now knowing that they added the epilogue, was that the end? Blows like, my or, mind. Or as the end, she obviously was going to write this as a book. Yeah. So is the end just the Holland Taylor meeting? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. And then, and then no, her no, staring No, 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 it can't be. Because Holland Taylor was added after. Was the, she? Okay. So she she had a male publisher originally, and they changed that when they went back and did the reshoots. Um, and it, he, it was like a domineering male publisher that was like, get all this stuff out now, Joan. And he really didn't have a role in the way that Holland Taylor kind of had this friend role with her. So okay, it huh. couldn't have been. Well, maybe so, it was something else, but it wasn't this. So Zemeckis just turned in a shit movie. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> like, wow. I know. Yeah. This is it was a steep learning curve for for Rob, and it's it's all evident in this one. But anyway, so he overcame it. This scene with the publisher is crazy, and here's all the reasons why. Um, Joan is standing there. As the publisher finishes reading the book in real time. Yep. That's weird. Was she just watching her read the whole did, manuscript? Or did she read the script and then she was like, hey, I've got 10 pages left to get over here. I want you to watch me do it. Either way, very weird relationship. Very weird. She says it's the best book you've ever written. I love how at the end they meet at the airport and sail around the world. And Joan's like, yeah. She's like, you are a world-class, hopeless romantic. And then she goes, hopeful romantic. Hopeful. Clutching with her the, little heart. With, with the hair down. Yeah, yeah. She's no longer bun, you know. It's hair down now. Yeah. Then she walks out of her publisher's office with a bag of groceries. So you got your groceries. You went <laughs> to your publisher's office. You watched her read the entire book. Yeah. First page to last page. Then, after she's done with the book and says it's really good, there's nothing more to discuss. It's done. <laughs> you pick up your groceries and you walk down the street to where you live. Right? Yep. And, and then, you blow off the monkey guy this time. She's yeah, got all this confidence now. She's just blowing right past to him. Be, so the first time she was like accosted by the monkey guy and she's like, I don't, I, ah, flustered. This time she's like, walking confidently past all the street vendors that are like throwing things in her face it's very odd i don't understand that maybe that was a thing in 84 i have no clue yeah i don't know and then there's a there's a yacht parked on the street on the busy new york city street and there he is jack t colton on the yacht wearing a tie wearing a tie can we thank you i wrote this down why on earth is he wearing a oh so very much denim and b <laughs> a, tie. a tie? Yeah, very he's weird. He's got like, those gator boots. We get the zoom in on the gator boots. Just in case you weren't going to miss that subtlety, we've got it for you. Yeah, he says and, I couldn't stop thinking about you. I even read one of your books. She says, "Then you know how all of them end." And then they make out, and then that that boat. Does drive very slowly through yes. <laughs> the streets of New York City. And all I'm thinking when it, and the Angelina is what he called it. Yes, which is the name of the character in her Western book. And all I'm thinking is like, they obviously had to put it in port in New York for a few days so she could pack up all her shit. Mm-hmm. 
this is what always gets me about movies is like you but you have like your cat still you probably need to check that out she leaves all of her groceries on the corner yeah i mean that's that's a big question here was she surprised or did she know he was outside waiting for her because if she's not surprised i get it i felt like her reaction was a little underwhelming yeah if if it was like I think wait a she minute she knew he was out there and i think that's why she said hopeful romantic i think she knew he was out there and then that's why she's just like happy instead of surprised Either way, fantastic happily ever after moment. Yeah. Loved it. Also, very much appreciated Hulu rolling this right into Jewel of Denial for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I actually walked away and thought there was a different epilogue, like a post credit sequence. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I just enjoyed Jewel of Denial. So. Do you know why you're, you're my friend? Why we're friends? I mean, don't think it's on it too hard. Que- <laughs> That's a deep question, but I think you're going to tell me. Why are we friends? You're the only person I know that would ever send me the text, the jewel of the Nile also bangs. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot I said, but it's true. It is true. You're like, man, Mac, jewel of the Nile bangs. It was so much fun. <laughs> I don't want to admit I might have had more fun with that one than this one. We can do it. Maybe we'll do a Patreon on it or something. I, I But I think it's also because I knew the characters at that point. Mm-hmm. So like, mm-hmm. I didn't have to come up to speed. But that's a very good sequel, which I'm shocked they made a sequel since everyone almost died on this movie. I know. Can I just tell you a little bit of casting stuff before we, Please do. Before we go? I, I'm Time doesn't matter. People right that turn down the role of Jack T. Colton. As you mentioned, Jack Nicholson. Yes. Clint Eastwood. Yes, I knew that one. Burt Reynolds. Boy, that's a terrible movie. Oh, is it? Sylvester Stallone. (laughs) Oh, man. And finally, Paul Newman? I'm going to be honest, I kind of want that movie. I do too, but like, what? That's a different movie. Were they aging up Joan? As well? I don't know. I, I don't know that. The, I think they cast him first. I don't know. Paul Newman. Yeah. Wow. No, I definitely didn't know that either. He uh, turned it down because there was too much violence in it. He didn't like the gun violence. Butch casting the Sundance Kid we're good I with, have though? no fucking clue. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's not a true rumor. I don't know. I think I saw it on the IMDb trivia. I'm not this sure. Is- that is that George one blew Strait. my mind. Yeah, that that is George Strait cutting the kiss out of pure country level stupidity to me. But okay, yeah, maybe they put it on the wrong movie. I don't know. <laughs> um, originally cast as Joan Wilder was Deborah Winger. Yep. Did you read about because, this? Well, Deborah Winger was originally cast for every movie between 1982 <laughs> and 1994. She is the, in every like casting could have been for every mm-hmm. lead female role. They're like, oh, I I realize uh, that it was Halle Berry, but Deborah Winger was up for it. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Every single one. It's ridiculous. Um, Did you read, like, why it didn't go? No. So in an interview with Michael Douglas, it said that she was attached to another project and they just, like, wouldn't be straight with the production company about whether she was available or not available. And they finally just were like, we're going to give up. And they went with um, Kathleen Turner, who was, quote, according to him, a team player and was just game for whatever. Right. Well, I know that Deborah Winger has like a bad for I don't know if it's true or not. I just know that she got a reputation 
in Hollywood being difficult. Yeah. Yes. So that's Michael Douglas's story. Apparently in Kathleen Turner's autobiography, she says that Deborah Winger was cast and then had lunch with Michael Douglas about, you know, the movie and what's, what's going to happen and, you know, business lunch and quote, ended up biting him. I'm sorry. What? Quote, ended up biting him and then didn't get the role. Like, needless to say, she didn't get the role. Ha ha ha. What is that story? In what situation do Michael Douglas and Deborah Winger have a business lunch about a role and she bites him? Okay, so I'm sorry. You've had plenty of time to process this information. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's coming to me for the first time. Yes. So he's either feeding her. (laughs) Which, yeah, I wouldn't put it past him. No. I but then th- he- actually that may be the most likely thing is a creepy Michael Douglas tries to put food in Deborah Winger's <laughs> mouth and she's like, fuck you. Humph. That's the only legitimate explanation because otherwise it's like, what were they kissing and Did they do like a hug? With teeth? And she like bit him? I don't Like a playful a pl- bite? Just a playful little playful little hug bite? Yeah, sometimes when I hug men I, I bite them. Is that wrong? <laughs> You'll have to ask them. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to need some more research on that. I also now, knowing that Kathleen Turner has an autobiography out there, would like to read that. Yeah, I bet it's a good one. Well, that's where the story about them flirting on the set and then the the wife showing up comes from. Okay. Because I know that like she's got Carrie Fisher level, don't give a fuck Ooh, about yeah. Hollywood mm-hmm. uh, attitude, which I really love. And she's got a Carrie Fisher level filter. As well. Yes. Yes. <laughs> She does not give a fuck. Nope. Nope. She made her money. She's good. Yeah. She's not. She's fine. She's not concerned. Yep. All right. Yeah. This movie was awesome. I got to be honest. I was not. I I was expecting to not like this very much, even though I very much like Kathleen Turner. You know what I heard just now? (laughs) I don't know what words you said, but what I heard was. I don't trust you and we're not real friends. That's what I Wow. 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 When I tell you a movie is good, how often am I wrong? I will make a list and get back to you on that. How dare you? But anyway, it was very good. I really, really like this movie. Like it's, it's so fun. And I miss these movies. I miss these Mm -hmm. mid-level budget movies with a couple of stars and sweet saxophone and a very easy to follow adventure. Mm-hmm. And the romance was like legit, and they good. have so much chemistry. It's so fucking much. crazy. Yeah, it's stupid. So thank you for yeah. you know making me watch that. Thank you. You're or or should I should I thank the poll? I think yeah, you, put you, out should, a poll, you right? should thank the poll. Thank you, HBs. Excellent call. What got second, by the way? The proposal. Oh yeah. See what was good about and I like the proposal, but uh, the lack of abs and uh, body shots in this movie I think is what makes it so much fun. Mm-hmm. One of the, yeah. And hopefully they never remake it with a lot of abs, to be honest. That they will. This is going to be a movie remade with, they'll, he'll never have a shirt. The fact ever. that it's on Hulu right now makes me worried about it. I could see it being rebooted. but So, should we do Lady Loves? Do you have any? Uh, yeah, I do. I, I wear orthopedic insoles for my plantar fasciitis. I'm with you. You have plantar fasciitis? 
I've had two surgeries because of plantar fasciitis. I didn't know that. Of One your on each maladies. foot. Huh, yes. interesting. Um, so I have special insoles. Hey, guys, if you wear orthopedic insoles, just pop those babies in your slippers. Yep. You can. There's no reason why your insoles can't go in your slippers. And it has revolutionized my quarantine. If you have plantar fasciitis, and I remember hearing about what it was before I ever had it, and I was like, oh, your feet hurt. Okay. Whatever. It is awful. It's it is awful. the worst. And when you put that first orthopedic in a shoe that helps you, you're just mm-hmm. like, where the hell has this been my whole life? So mm-hmm. I have like four or five different pairs that I keep like one in gym shoes, one in my mm-hmm. dress shoes, one in slippers. So yeah, no, I'm with you. Excellent. Yeah. Do you have anything? You don't have to. This was a oh, last no, minute I, situation. Oh, no, I definitely do. I All definitely right. do. Number one for quarantine life. Let me just tell you. I've been seeing a lot of stuff on Twitter about like either being productive or trying to eat healthy and working out. All of those things are good. Those are excellent. Just do you. Like I've been eating so much stuff out of Nona's old cookbook. Like we've just been cooking like old Nona recipes. That sounds so incredible. Good that we don't have like typically on when everyday life is I leave the house. You just don't have time to cook some of these things. So mm-hmm. if you guys have old recipes, you don't have time cooking like You've got it now, hopefully, and take advantage of it. Don't feel bad because you're either not being productive or not eating the right thing or not doing a thousand crunches a day, Patrick Bateman style. It's all good. (laughs) Um, Number two, Lady Love, if you like Kathleen Turner, which you should because she's awesome, Mm -hmm. watch Body Heat. That is such a good erotic thriller, like noir movie. It was written by Lawrence Kasdan, directed by Lawrence Kasdan. It's great. But that was her very first movie in Hollywood. It's her and William Hurt. Uh, sweet little Ted Danson performance in there. Mm-hmm. But super, super sexy. Awesome movie. So those would be my two lady loves. Awesome. And don't watch Fool's Gold. No matter how no. much Hulu is pushing you to it, you don't no. want it. It looks and like it's something you might want, but you don't. Netflix is also pushing real hard Ghosts of Girlfriends Past and uh, <laughs> no. Failure to Launch. No. Hard pass on those two as well. No. Um, no, just just watch some How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Yep. Watch, a, there, watch a 13 going on 30. There's also leave. some good oldies streaming on Prime. I think uh, uh, African Queen was streaming yep. for free on Prime. Check that out. All of, the, all of the movies that we put on our poll for what movie we should do for this episode were available in one way or another very easy on, on streaming. And many of yes. them were free. Yes. So, like Philadelphia Story, I think was free. Yep. With Prime, a lot of the old 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 stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. All right. Okay. Well, thanks so much, and thanks for doing this last minute. Hey, of course, anytime. Thanks for having me on. All right. Bye. See ya. Hey, you. Yes, listener, you. Are you loving the show? If so, please leave a rating and review in your podcast app. The 90 seconds you take to say something nice not only helps new people find the show, but it makes me super smile over at HBHQ. Also, I've had a few people ask, and the answer is yes. We are still doing the five-star bribe. If you leave us a review with five stars, then we'll do whatever book you want. We're real, real deep into the list, though, so it might be a while. Ah! Lilas!
Okay, back to the show. <laughs> 